Well, happy Friday morning to you. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I would be Glenn. Griffin's here. And of course, if it's Friday, that means our friend, the Chief Grand Poobah, Stan the Fan Charles, is back in studio with us. Good morning, sir. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Griffin. Everything good? Everything's good. Happy anniversary to you and Jane. Thank you very much. And uh, happy birthday here at the office to our friend Leah, who is out at the desk, and her birthday gift is hearing office manager some Leah of Lanka. what we have to say here on the show today. She never gets to hear the other side of the conversation whenever we have somebody on the phone, but she gets to hear our side, and that's the only side that matters. Exactly. Frankly, that's the excellent side you need to hear. point. Excellent. A lot to do on the program today. Coming up in a bit, we uh, this hour we'll talk a good amount of Ravens, as we'll be joined by Trey Wingo, formerly of ESPN, now with the 33rd team. We'll also catch up, as we do every Friday, with our friend Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer. Then later on in the morning, we will chat with Mike Gibbons, executive director of the Babe Ruth Museum. They want you to come check them out for free next weekend. And we will continue talking baseball. We'll catch up with Kyle Gibson, of course, Former uh, Oriole starter, just signed with the St. Louis Cardinals after spending this year the special season that it was here in Baltimore. So we'll talk to him about that and his new home. All of that on the way on a Friday edition of the program. Today's show brought to you by Superbook. And if you use the code GlennClark23 or StanCharles23, then you will receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose, Again, Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use the code GlennClark23. Stan, I start here. Yes, sir. Baseball's winter meetings next week out in Las Vegas. Yep. No, Nashville. 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 Yeah, there was something else going on in Vegas this week. What was There's it? Something there was something always going the on. No. The A's are moving there. Well, they had the A's, no, there was a baseball thing because, like, foul territory. It was a players' uh, union event or something like that in Vegas. So a lot of the baseball people were out in Vegas this week. Yes, Nashville, which is one of our favorite locations. Uh, ahead of that, John Heyman of the New York Post wrote sort of a bit of a primer this week and says, was talking about the possibility of the Orioles trading for Dylan Cease. Mm-hmm. Says Baltimore, stacked with promising kids, matches up nicely with the White Sox, which makes sense since the Southsiders have the most valuable rotation piece to trade. The Orioles tried for Cease at the deadline, but there's more time now to figure things out. So before I get to the next sentence of what John Hammond said, I'll begin with that sentence. Do you believe the Orioles should be in the market? That Dylan Cease should be the answer for the Orioles? Do you believe they will be willing to pay the price that it would cost in order to get Dylan C? I think he's a he's a unique situation in that he's a top tier talent. Although he had a, a down season in 2023, yes, he did. Um, but he's got two years of control left, which is vitally important for a team like the Orioles, who is seems hell bent on not spending. You know the big dollars to lock people expected up expected to be about uh, eight to nine million in arbitration this, this year. year. And then that and number next would, year would be, be 10 to 11, 12, yeah, 12 something, something like that. that. If he has a big year. Uh, so I, I think the Orioles are really in that market. I think they're, they're perhaps in the Corbin Burns market a little bit. Um, now that's of course only one year of control. That's only one Corbin year Burns. of control. So there would be less of the need to part with, Many, many pieces, but uh, 
I think there's a possibility they're in the market, uh, not to interrupt your flow of where you were going, but last night, late last night, and I also heard that that they felt that the White Sox were strategizing that they doubted they would deal him before the baseball winter meetings. They want some more of the free agents to come the high end free agents then... to get off the market and figuring that the Orioles aren't one of the teams that they could still match mm-hmm. up with the Orioles uh, post-winter meetings. But last night I happened to read something, and I think it was, again, it was John Heyman. Not about the closers? We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Right, we'll get okay. there. Let me finish this thought, then we'll All move right, to that. Go ahead. Um, it's your show, my man. Well, I, I And I want to go there. The You move kind of past a little bit. Are you at all fearful of the season that Dylan Cease had knowing the cost of what it would take to get Dylan Cease in a trade? Well, I I trust, look, did I sit and watch video of all of his starts Mm. or know exactly what's going on? That's been a train wreck in Chicago for three years since they fired Rich Renteria and brought in Tony La Russa. To me, it's been a a train wreck. And it finally hit the uh, caboose, which was uh, Dylan Cease last year. I would not be that concerned that somehow you're getting a, a, a failed project here or somebody who's going backwards. I still think an awful lot of Dylan sees. Um Again, for those that don't know, a year ago he pitched to a 4.58 ERA and he pitched to a 1.41 whip, 79 walks, 214 strikeouts still, right? Like still threw a lot of strikeouts despite the fact that he was getting hit a year ago. So that's out there. And, I again, I think we're all inclined to want – I have always believed that if there was a pitching upgrade coming, it was coming via trade. A starting pitching upgrade coming, it was coming yeah, via trade. I would agree with that. Now, we move to the other side, as you were alluding to, of what it is that John Heyman shared last night at the New York let Post. Me, let me just throw in one other thing. Yes. Trade for Burns or Cease possible. I still think the Marlins are a possibility, although I hear that Braxton Garrett – and Jesus Luzardo are probably off the market, that Taylor Rogers and Cabrera, I think it's Edwin Cabrera, yeah. uh, are perhaps available. Everett, Everett. that's exactly Everett. what it is. Thank Everett. you, Everett. Everett. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, Everett Cabrera. Yeah. The other part of what it is that John Heyman said last night was, quote, the Orioles also seek a back-end reliever and have contacted Maryland product, I believe Old Mill alum. I believe that is correct. And ex-Oriole farmhand Josh Hader, plus Craig Kimbrell, Aroldis Chapman, and Jordan Hicks. Hader may be a bit pricey for the host, though. You think? You think? Here's my issue with this sentence, right? Is it's all over the place. Josh Hader, of course, being the highest end of the reliever market. Aroldis Chapman being... Of no help whatsoever. I have zero like, interest in him being in our clubhouse. I, I, Even as a clubhouse attendant, I have no interest in him being there. And he's not even good at baseball. And even like beside all the terrible things about Aroldis Chapman, he's not even good at baseball any longer. He's awful. 
It's almost a wacky bit that the Rangers were able to win, despite the fact that they had to carry him around on their roster last yep. year. The moment that you thought the Rangers were in trouble was the moment that they put a Rolls Chapman into a baseball game. Maybe he could be like a sixth inning guy still or something. I, what did but, you see that made that's you not, comfortable? That's not what they were shopping yeah. for. Yeah. You like, know. they're talking about back-end reliever. Yeah, Again, yeah. the sentence There's says back-end reliever, and he names Josh Hader. Pretty good. Who, again, certainly qualifies as a back-end reliever, but then throws in a Rodis Chapman, who is absolutely not part of the conversation no. when it comes to back-end relievers in 2023. So That's called in old detective movies a red herring. Where they throw out, they make you think it's this character. Right, yeah. It's a red herring. You know, it's never that guy um, or that I'd, gal. I, I think the last sentence, Hater may be a bit pricey for the O's, though, is one of the understatements of the century. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. We've now had, about a month ago, we had John Smoltz on. Mm-hmm. And Smoltz was talking as if Tyler Wells, was in the, his estimation, was, is a starting yep. pitcher. And not to give away anything but Kyle Gibson thinks that he's a starting mm-hmm. pitcher as well. It's got me rethinking. If that, if you think that that's it, you probably do only need one starter. Okay, so the, consequently, if you got to cease, I, I just don't think the hater thing. If John really wants to imagine big, and everybody I talk to says. They've got the money to do what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sort of protective of of keeping the payroll down because it can get really crazy. But if they got this is the time now to press your advantage if if you have it. Well, yeah, I mean if you're gonna maximize and say, hey, this is a this is the window. If there's ever a time to do it, now's the time to do it. I don't disagree with and that. And you're not spending huge dollars on a free agent starter. And you really probably aren't spending huge dollars anywhere else, you know, to pick up an offensive piece. You're not going to go out and get a top offensive player. So where, boy, if what would you think if they, let's just say they they made a trade for Cabrera, Mm -hmm. okay, the Marlins, Mm -hmm. but signed Hader. That'd be a dynamite. That would be an absolutely Oh, they eight, may eight thumbs up off they, season. They may be thinking big. Uh, I'll tell you one thing though that I'm very aware of. We're not going to get any any leaks out of the Orioles. No, they really no, right. run a tight ship in terms of giving us anything to go on. So I I guess my my thoughts here are twofold. The first, someone would say, why would you be in the market to spend upwards of twenty million dollars on a a year on a reliever? when Felix Batista would be back the following year, right? And my answer, and I said this before Felix Batista got hurt, you'll remember I was clamoring that Josh Hader was the guy to, 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 try to try to trade for because as we keep talking about in the playoffs now, you need multiple closers. You need multiple guys that you can you turn leverage. to in You le- need leverage arms, Correct. not leverage arm. Correct. So before Felix Batista got hurt, I said... I was enamored, overwhelmed with the idea of Hater, and yes, we were still talking at the time about the possibility of them trading one of the starters as well, mm. and so I was very inclined for the Padres to be a trade partner as it worked out. They won just enough games for them to 
be very stupid and how they handled their business at the deadline. So they've got that going for them, which is nice. But hey, at least they're not also going to trade away Juan Soto and have nothing to show for it. Um, I, I'm, I am all in on the idea of it being Josh Hader. I love the idea of Josh Hader. Is it difficult to spend that much money on a relief arm when you've never spent that much money on much of anything? Like, the list of guys that you've spent $20 million on is one? Yeah, it's it's tough to think that that would be the direction that you would go, but I'm sure is F not opposed to it. That's the cost of doing If you want Josh Hader, if you want that guy, that's the cost of doing business. And maybe it won't be actually. Like a lot of the ex, the expectations are that he's going to be in the $20 million a year range. Could be 18-5 right. or something, something like, like that. that. Maybe that's more of what it is. But I am all in on the idea of Josh Hader, and I think it would be incredible. And you, somebody's got to close. I get that we're all inclined to say, well, it could be D.L. Hall. It could be Tyler Wells. You think that you have internal options, but if the option is Josh Hader, I love that option. Like That's a damn good option. For Are you interested? We Both you and I have made it clear we have zero interest in Aroldis Chapman. Chapman. Are you Hicks interested in, in Kimbrell? <sighs> I mean, as the last, I, the last gasp, I mean, I think he'd get you 20 saves. He'd blow up seven times, six if, or seven if times. I would, and I think to that point, if if Craig Kimbrell is what they did in the offseason, I would not be signing him as my plan at closer. I would be signing him to be a one of the leverage arms right? building toward that. But that would be because I'm if I'm doing that, it's because I'm committed to D.L. Hall or Tyler Wells as being the closer. I'm yeah. not Craig Kimbrell to me is not the answer as a closer per se. I'll tell you, uh, and again, I didn't see him in a closer's role. And that's always something you have to be aware of. Uh, what was the guy's name that Pat Gillick? No, what, it was Frank Wren signed. Mike Timlin. 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 Yeah. Uh, he he hadn't really had a great deal of closing experience. Mm-hmm. He ended up being a good closer, but not for the Orioles that year that they got right. him. Right. Um, is this guy Robert Stevenson with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays? You know, who's a free agent. Uh, I'd be very interested in him. I'm trying to pull up Robert Stevenson's numbers real quick, and just because I, I, I don't. I, again, I didn't think about Robert Stevenson a lot. He's last a former. Year. He's very interesting. He's a former number one pick. Okay. Uh, first round pick by I think Cincinnati. Mm, that yes. Correct. Okay. Um, and you know a lot of first round guys flame out. No, of but but. Maybe it's the thing where they moved him at some point. They moved him from a starting pitcher to a bullpen arm. And then you can just sort of not think. You can just be. You Seven, know. 77 strikeouts, 16 walks last year. And over like 53 the innings. 52 and a third yeah. innings. Yeah. It's interesting. That's an interesting name. That's one that I'll. And, and it's Rumored to get four years at $36 million, it in my opinion, feels, yeah. I think the Dodgers are going to pay him $10 million just a to year say, let's, just to have a leverage arm mm-hmm. at the back end. That's an interesting name I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about, but I'd be inclined on. Look, I, I to the point, I, I don't think it has to be a closer. I do think that you might be able to make D.L. Hall or Tyler Wells your closer this season and be fine. And if you're going to spend money on a starter or you're going to spend – I'll listen to that. I'll listen to that being the plan. But 
you know, if I if I knew that that was the plan, Wells and and kind of DL Hall, mm-hmm. and we'll get somebody yeah, else, one like more, one more guy yeah. that that fits in. That's not Brian Baker or Sh- Shintaro Fujinami. Yeah, right. You know, a guy, a real guy yeah, that you pay mm-hmm. real money for. Um, if I knew that Wells was in that bullpen, then I would even be more willing to go all out on a trade for a, for a cease, cease or a Burns. Or a Burns yeah. You know, I am I am very interested in that scenario. I, I just want to alert people. I'm not gloom and doom about Felix Bautista, but it to the point. Even when he gets back, we don't know he's going to be the f- right, right out the of the same, gate the yeah. same guy that he was. That's we fair. hope we keep our fingers crossed. Do yeah. you expect them to make a move of significance next week? I'm not sure that they they will definitely do a Rule Five draft. <laughs> it's funny you say that, right? Because like you're just really trying to figure out how there could possibly be room for a Rule Five guy on this they'll roster. They'll figure they'll figure that out. They'll figure that out. I think they'll get Terrifying. at least one and maybe two Rule Five guys. They might do something small next week or even before the, the meetings. Remember, they signed Kyle Gibson last year before the yep. winter meetings. You know. All right, so that gets underway uh, Sunday night, and they'll also announce the, um, the Hall of Famers from this today's era ballot, which um, were largely contributors that were on the ballot this time. And it could be Davey Johnson. I believe he was one of them. I don't remember who else was on this ballot. Jim Leland was on this ballot. Right. Uh, today's era ballot. Hang on a second. I'll tell you in one second exactly who it is. Can is Mattingly you... on there? Uh, no. This was I. This was large. This was contributors. This okay. was not not players. Players. Uh, well, Davy was a player too. Yeah, but I. That's true. Okay. I think they were all. Man, this is gonna drive me nuts. It's gonna drive me crazy. Hang on. We'll get the answer. Griffin will come up with it. Yeah. Hold on. Um, Griffin's fast that way. I'm sorry. I should have been more. Pre- I should have been more prepared for this. This is my fault. There was another because there was an umpire on this list too, and there was somebody else that was interesting to us. And now I've completely blanked on it. It's driving me crazy. Uh, ballots, Hall of Fame. Oh come on! I know. God. Contem- for- Contemporary Baseball Era Committee ballot: Cito Gaston, Davey Johnson, Jim Leland, Ed Montague. Hank Peters was the other name that was interesting to us. Lou Pinella, Cowboy Joe West, and Bill White are the uh, nominees that uh, will be voted upon this weekend and will be announced on Sunday night. And remember when you and I talked, like to me, Lou Pinella is the obvious, the most obvious of that group. I'll tell you who's, I'll tell you who, when you look at his career, and I got to be honest, I'm not sure if he's passed away. Bill White. Bill White, yeah. Bill White was a Great baseball player, you know. Uh, great baseball player, eight-time All-Star, broadcaster mm-hmm. for the New York Yankees, and then pre- sort of broke the color line and play-by-play guys. And then he was league president. Yep. Um. So he would make a lot of sense. He would make a lot of sense. Make a lot. But of you sense. could you could argue each one of these people. Oh, I except Cito Gaston. <sighs> Cito sucks. Cito sucks. Cito sucks. He better not get into the Hall of Fame. Although he also won two World Series. Two World Series. There's absolutely an argument. And here he's a great guy, too. I I refuse to believe. It's the. Why that. uh, It's the most infuriating. Why you wouldn't put Mussina in that game? Just put him in the game. 
sorry. Not, we're totally over it 30 years later. Yeah. Totally not thinking about it still. Three decades later that Cito Gaston wouldn't put Mike Messina in the All-Star God, that game. That is 30 night. years. 30 like 29 years 30 later. Years 30 ago. years later. All right. The uh, hottest night in the history. Of it was hot as hell. It was hot as hell that night. No doubt about it. We are uh, on a Friday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. And Stan, you were busy last night. You had a great show. Had a chance to talk to a young guy I've known now for about six or seven years. He's from Baltimore. Did the snowball stand Mm -hmm. at Ed Smith Stadium in Sarasota. Uh, Was hit by a woman. He was riding his bicycle and he was hit by her. She was texting in driving her car, uh, had to give up his business, ended up spending an uh, amazing amount of time around Twin Lakes Park, yep. uh, Twin Lakes Field, and getting to know the Orioles minor league system at a time like four years ago where it was yep, just starting, starting to, to up. Yeah. He knows it like nobody's business. I always give Steve Molesky yeah. credit for really knowing the Orioles minor league system. This guy not only knows what the players – can do on the field, he gets to know them. Uh, he's going to be joining me quite a bit starting in January. So, yeah. But we talked to him last night specifically about Kobe Perez and the international uh, lineup that they have, which is becoming, in addition to Sammy Basalo, uh, becoming really per- some pretty impressive players down there. So if you missed Stan and Eric Garfield talking about the Orioles' international prospects, find that right now, facebook.com slash Sports or youtube.com slash online. Let's get into some Ravens conversation this morning. Our next guest, one of our favorites, you see him at the 33rd team. He and Chase Daniel doing their podcast together, and he does all sorts of other content for them. He is Mr. Trey Wingo, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Trey, it's Glenn Clark. Stan Charles is in studio with me this morning. Great to chat with you as always, my friend. Thanks for taking the time for us. Uh, no worries, guys. How are you? Great to be with you again. It's great to chat with you. It's, Trey, I, in listening to you guys talk about the Ravens' defense, the fascinating part of it to me is that I feel like the other side of the story, the other side of the equation, it's not just how good the Ravens' defense is. It's that it feels like this is a year again in the NFL where defense actually matters. And in some years, yeah. we would have said, yeah, it's cool to have a good defense, but you're going to have to go win games 38 to 35. It doesn't feel like it's shaping up that that's necessarily how these playoffs are going to end up going, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really ugly postseason in terms of points uh, because we have so many teams that have really outstanding units, and the Ravens are right up there at the top of them. The way Denver's playing right now, their Denver defense is really the reason they've won five in a row. Obviously, this is the best defense Kansas City has ever had in the Patrick Mahomes era. Cleveland's defense is kind of weird. They're so good at home, and they're so mediocre on the road. But it does feel like defensive coordinators are catching up, finally. It's been like, I know last night's game was an anomaly, 41-35, but it does, it does feel like uh, finally, the, the, the defensive side of the ball is catching up to this wide-open era of offense we've seen in the NFL. I, I mean, it's it's fascinating to me because I think that we would say that this Ravens team, it's the defense is leading the way and running the ball is leading the way. But I think what makes it seem so dangerous is you feel yeah. like they could do a little bit of everything, right? Like that has traveled. That has gone yeah. everywhere they've gone against every opponent they've played this year. The defense has been up to the task except for the second half against Cleveland. But, like, I don't right. think this is a case where you bring up Cleveland. 
uh, we're petrified if you're in Cleveland that you're not going to be able to score any points. The Ravens seem to be dangerous because you also think they're capable of doing what they did against Seattle, doing what they did against Detroit, and going and scoring the points necessary on top of having a good defense. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, the Browns thing is interesting because I do think they're going to be much better with Joe Flacco. And if the Jets, if the Jets had just decided to do this, they might be in postseason. You know, the Jets' defense is historically good, but they, you know, to me, it was uh, almost criminal what they did with the quarterback position. If you go look at Zach Wilson's numbers this year, they're almost identical to his first two years. So what made you think that just because he was going to breathe the same quarterback oxygen in the room <laughs> as Aaron Rodgers, that he was magically going to be better? Like, and you had to prepare for that if you're the Jets with a guy who's going to be 40 years old this month. Uh, you, you had to say, okay, we, we need to make sure we have a better backup plan. And that's, that's an institutional failure on my part, on their part. Hey, Trey, long time no talk to Stan Charles, Stan the fan. Hey, Stan. How you Absolutely, been? Absolutely, brother. Good. Hey, I um, want to talk to you about a team that Glenn and I were discussing off the air here. The Ravens have the bye this week, then, then host the Rams, then go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville started the season one and two. They've gone seven and one since then. They're five and zero oh on the road, which means they can win on the road. Uh, where do you think? How good is this Jacksonville club? Well, I think they're really peaking at the right time. And, yeah. You know, you're seeing what a difference an actual head coach makes uh, in Doug Peterson <laughs> as opposed to a phony college coach in Urban Meyer. Um, I mean, you know, that guy was whatever. Like if he could Tell us how you really him. feel. Tell <laughs> us how you really feel. Uh, it was a joke. I mean, Urban Meyer was a joke. I mean, everything that he ever did at the Jacksonville Jaguars from start to finish, every decision he made was yep. a joke. Uh, I mean, like I, at any stand, at any level of football, have you ever heard a coach say, "Hey guys, great job, tough loss. You guys go. I'm going to stay." Yeah. <laughs> Has a coach ever not traveled back with a team, junior varsity, high school, college, whatever you want to call it, arena league? That doesn't happen. But anyway, I think Jacksonville is really good. I love the pickup uh, of the things that they've done this offseason. Um, and that, you know, they, no one talks about it, but Josh Allen is unbelievable defensive end. He's playing at a very high level. And honestly, I think that's the biggest problem for the Ravens is that if you look at their schedule, as to say compared to the Chiefs, it is a much more difficult schedule in, in terms of trying to secure that number one seed. Um, and, you know, if, let's say they all, let's say Miami, Jacksonville, Baltimore and Kansas City all finish with the same record, right? Well, Jacksonville and Miami were beaten by Kansas City. Baltimore and Kansas City won't play. But right now, Kansas City only has one conference yeah. loss. Uh, it was to Denver. Their other two losses are to NFC teams. And that's a huge thing in the tiebreaker. So it's imperative for, for Baltimore to try and find a way to get one game better than Kansas City down the yep. season. Trey Wingo is with us from the 33rd team here on GCR. Trey, with that in mind, is it still Kansas City to you that's the favorite to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl? They're very uneven this year, guys. Um, and, and Baltimore as a whole is, 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 a, is, a, is a more solid team. But I'm not counting that guy out. I mean, like, the only way I can describe it, how good I think Patrick Mahomes is, is that he's on pace for his best completion percentage of his career in a year in which his wide receivers lead the league in drops with 27. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, it's <laughs> remarkable. Know? It's remarkable. And it's, it's insane. And 
Um, I, 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 again, it's the best defense they've ever had. Um, I, I, I would put them in the driver's seat based on their schedule as well. You know, they, they, the Athletic recently did a poll uh, of, of like 13, like five, five, I think it was like 500 players. I can't remember how many players were. They said, who's the best player in the NFL? Patrick Mahomes received 45% of the vote. Second place was 13%, and that player was called Other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only other player that came uh, that was, even, was Aaron Donald. Sure. He was in third with like 8.9%. So I, I just, I, I, I'm not going to count that guy out until he's dead and buried. No, and I that's why I think, yeah, it'll probably, you know, especially with the schedule, I think it leans Kansas City as, as being the, the one seed. Trey, I've said that a couple times this year to people. Like, in, it, that guy's breathing, so I'm going to say they're the team to yeah. beat until he's not breathing, right? Like, that's just how it's going to Or somebody goes It's, it's kind of like boxing where you got to beat the man who beat the man right, who beat right. the man. You, you, can't, you can't beat exactly. a favorite when that guy is still alive. I, I say that, though. The art that you just brought up, to me, sounds like it's a strong argument for why Patrick Mahomes should be MVP again this year. And, you know, that's become this sort of almost contentious yeah. thing where everybody's pointing out that, like, hey, none of the quarterbacks are really, like, running away with this or all that impressive. And should we talk about other positions? The thing that you just said makes it sound like you're saying, no, that there's still a pretty obvious choice for who should be the MVP of the NFL. Well, look, I don't, I don't think he's going to win it this year. It's, it's like he could, you know, it's like when Michael Jordan played in the NBA, right? He probably should have won it every year, but if he's slightly down one year, Charles Barkley has a chance, or Carl Malone has a chance. So, look, there's no doubt to me who the best player in the game is. But, I, look, this year you could make an argument. Dak Prescott, my God, the mm-hmm. run he's been on since the San Francisco game has been ridiculous. Tyreek Hill is going to shatter Megatron's single-season uh, receiving yards record. He has to be in consideration. This might be a year, finally, where it's not just the quarterback on the best team with the winning record gets wins the MVP. I mean, if, if Cleveland or Pittsburgh is in the playoffs, I don't know how we don't talk about Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt. Like, they're not, yeah. they're, they're not yeah. doing that without those guys. No, you're 100% get Miles out there with one shoulder right now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's, it's so funny. I don't know. You guys saw the promo in the middle of the Cowboys-Seahawks game last night for next week's Thursday night game, the Patriots yeah. against the Ugh. Steelers. It was T.J. Watt and Bill Belichick was the the appointed Patriot representative, which I thought was pretty pretty indicative of how far the Patriots have fallen, and people in Baltimore have to love that. Do you think, do you watching the Patriots this year? Do you think this is the end of the road in New England for Bill Belichick? And do you think he coaches somewhere else? Well, that's up to him. I know that I know that Bill has been very adamant about wanting to take down Don Shula's record ever since Don made some disparaging comments before he passed away about Spygate. And, and that, that really motivated him. But the Patriot way, turns out it was the Brady way, guys. Right. I'm not saying Bill isn't a great coach. Don't right. get me wrong. But I, I can, I'm sure you guys can pull him to every single metric, every single number, with Brady, without Brady, it is a different guy and a different dude. And they're going to miss the playoffs for the third time in four years since Tom Brady left. And they have no skill position players that anybody wants. So, so do Belichick and Jim, Jim Harbaugh compete for being Justin Herbert's coach? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, if Bill goes somewhere, Bill's going to want a quarterback. He knows yeah. That. And, you know, He's not going to, like, people like, oh, Carolina should go get Bill Belichick. Well, why would Bill Belichick want to go to Carolina? 
We don't know if Bryce Young is the guy. Every single thing we've seen so far seems to indicate that they should have taken C.J. Stroud. They don't have draft capital to build around Bryce Young because they gave up all that much to get him. So if you're you're Bill Belichick, Justin Herbert looks a lot better than Bryce Young. Um, I I mean, about a billion times better than Bryce Young looks. I don't think it's close. Trey, I'll I'll tie this back together because we started talking about defensive coordinators and obviously the Ravens' defense. I, I think the the one as exciting as it's been to see what the Ravens defense has done. The flip side is every Ravens fan says, "Oh God, Mike McDonald's probably going to be gone. He's probably going to go get a head coaching job, and he's young, and he has he's been yeah. brilliant in this capacity." But we still know it's difficult for defensive coaches to get head coaching jobs. Is it really like a fait accompli that Mike McDonald is going to be gone? Or might it take him some time just because teams are still going to prefer to hire offensive coordinators? Well, I think to what we started this with, and I'm glad you brought it back there, defense is certainly more in vogue than it has been in the last few years. The problem is we've, already, we've had two coaches fired this year in season already, right? I would conservatively say anywhere from seven to ten coaching vacancies will be available this offseason. And if we're getting upwards of nine or ten, then it's hard to think that he's going to be there because you got to hire somebody. And he's a guy that's done a really good job really early. He's been brilliant, man. Like the disguising on what they're doing and the fact that he's gotten this out of Jadevion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy is – yeah. I mean, almost truly unbelievable, right? Like, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's unreal. Trey, uh, what all can we plug for you, my friend? Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, like you said, do some stuff for the 3013, the podcast, Chasing It with Chase Daniel. Uh, I work with something called the Stunt app. It's, uh, it's basically Twitter without all the garbage. It's just sports takes and sports conversations. Download the Stunt app, the App Store, Google Play. Uh, I do about four or five events for the PGA Tour, including the one out of Kapalua this year. We'll be calling that one, so very excited about that. And we have a new podcast coming out called Making Waves uh, with Amazon and Wondery with myself and my former ESPN colleague Kevin Frazier, basically talking about how things in history affected the world of sports, sort of the sliding doors. What if this happened? What if this happened? How things would have changed? So that's going to drop in February, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, you know, just keeping busy with football, man. Kevin Frazier, formerly of WBFF, Fox 45, right here in Baltimore. We love Kevin Frazier. That's yeah. awesome, man. There you go. Uh, enjoy Hawaii. I'm sure it's just going to be miserable for you, spending January in Hawaii. Right? I, pr- I pray for you uh, surviving that. Oh, you basically spent all your time now in Hawaii, right? Like, you're a Hawaii yeah, not, guy. Not half the year. That's awesome, not man. Half the year. Good for you, Trey. Yeah. At Wingo Z on Twitter is how you follow him. Trey Wingo, always appreciate you, man. Thanks for helping. Thanks a lot, Trey. You got it, guys. Take care. Trey Wingo with us here on Keeps it going on. Keeps on keeping on. I mean, that's a real good work if you can get it to spend half your year in Hawaii, right? Like I don't it's it's weird. I haven't been able to pull that off just yet, Stan. I'm still working on that plan for one day. I don't Uh, think it's coming. A little bit of news on MLBTradeRumors.com. The Marlins have hired Gabe Kapler as their assistant general manager. Okay. Probably a better role for him than Yeah. Field manager, yeah. probably. If I had to, you know, think that through. But he's there in case. Uh, yeah, you know, right. Skip Schumacher. Yeah, they decide that it's it. they decide that yeah. it's time. Uh, and the word is that the Cleveland Guardians, formerly the Cleveland mm-hmm. Indians, have uh, are willing to listen to offers for Emmanuel Classe. Interesting. Um, it's Forty-four saves a year ago. One point one five WHIP. Is 64 strikeouts, 16 walks. In. His strikeouts were down, and he, yeah, he had his home runs were up a little year. bit. Uh, I think. 
Only it gave up four home runs this year, three. The then year it wasn't before. just home runs. It was he he get coughed up seven well, to, or eight saves to the point. Yeah, he had, he had nine losses this season. Yeah. Um, and to your point, his WHIP in 2012, 22 was .72, right? And that went up to one point one five, which right. again is not awful by no. any stretch of the imagination. No, but from .72 to .1, he was brilliant. In 2022, he was good in 2023. But, you know, relief pitchers have emotions, and sometimes a relief pitcher that just knows his team is not going to score That's fair. another yeah, run. Their offense they, was they, they, they're dreadful offense. Yeah. So, I mean, that doesn't change the dynamic. Come in and get three outs. But I think as the season wore on, he, his importance to the team became overblown and put more undue pressure on him, I think. That's an interesting name, as we think the Orioles are going to be in the reliever market, but I don't know if it's – is it trade for a reliever? If they're going to trade for a starting pitcher, I find it hard to believe they're also going to trade right. for a reliever, right? right? Like, I just don't – They've got a lot of prospects. They do have a lot of prospects, and particularly some that they have to do something with. They have to do something with Norby and Ortiz. Yep. They can't just keep playing the game where you have major league players that aren't on the major league roster because you have no room for them. It's not – I, maybe there's somebody over there that thinks that's a good problem to have. Hey, yeah. we got depth if something goes wrong, but you, you can't continue to have other weaknesses you can keep on your one of them. But you can't keep three or four guys no hold them back. No yeah. doubt. All right, uh, Stan the Fan is here. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality. And driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, we will discuss the Ravens at the buy, some of the concerns maybe, and you know what things might look like. We also need to talk about the possibility of Zach Ertz maybe being a fit for the Ravens. We'll do all that with Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, next here on GCR. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show a partnership of PressBox and Great Ace Memorabilia. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for PressBox fantasy football analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your waiver wire Wednesday brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? Stan, I already had to explain to the kids that Santa Claus uh, lost Ravens score first bet on Sunday night. (laughs) I already had to pull the boys in and say, boys, now I need you to listen to me. Yeah. It... I was talking Uncle to Sa- Stan. Lost a ten-game parlay. <laughs> yeah, I was talking. He went, he went eight and two. I was talking to Santa last night. We were sharing emails, and Santa Claus said, "Hey, Christmas might be tough this year. Been putting a lot of money on the Ravens to score first, and have been doing well all season. It had been ten and one on the yeah. season." Right up until Sunday night. I already had to have that and maybe a couple American dollars on the Ravens to win the first quarter on Sunday night as well. That also blew up in my face. Not quite as much as the primetime under blew up in Griffin's face last night. That one was That's all right. I, you know they as they promote as we were talking about promoting next week's Thursday night. We're jumping right back on the train. Well, I mean, what do you think the number is going to be for Steelers Patriots? That number it might, might be a like total nine. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. nine. <laughs> my total might be. 14 you know in it's that still game. gonna be in the 30s and they're not gonna sniff the 30s i don't know so. that it's gonna be in the 30s it's the steelers and the hiring matt canada right <laughs> to give him to give him intel that, make sure it's a bad idea yeah uh yeah i was telling stan off the air about a conundrum i might get to it later on in the show let's we'll see how much time we have um a little bit of news i this... wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> no you don't no. think it's worthy of discussion no. No. wow no that's a it's a harsh moment <laughs> Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor has passed away today. Uh, the first female ever to be on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wish she was on it now. Legendary figure, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, at uh, the age of 93, if I remember correctly. 93, yeah, has passed away. 
today. Did you watch any of uh, Rosalind Carter's service the other day? Yes. yes I, I thought her grandson, and I I get called upon to do eulogies a lot because of you know what we do for a living. Yeah. It's not surprising that I've given six or seven eulogies in my life. Mm-hmm. I thought her grandson's eulogy was I didn't as, see. Oh, I saw just the very end of him. It yeah. was pitch perfect yeah. man it was as eulogies go everything that you could possibly ask mm. funny emotional uh, it was just beautiful i mean it was just a beautiful beautiful eulogy for rosalind carter and the, I, the the most shocking thing about that ceremony was that melania trump went to i was it. there yeah i right. just i just couldn't couldn't get over it. I, I thought it was really an incredible move by her. I, I you know, I yeah. appreciate the fact that there is some thought to, like, this is how this is supposed to work. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be like this. Yeah. Um, it was wonderful that President Carter was, you know, it, as everyone has said, he is very much at the end, and it yeah. will not be much longer before he's gone as well, but yeah. it was wonderful that he was able to be present. Yeah. Uh, for that, um, yeah, I, I watched a good bit of the uh, the service for Rosalind Carter, which I thought was was wonderful. Yeah. Um, was really wonderful. So, mm-hmm. uh, sad news. Yes, Sandra Day O'Connor has passed away today at ninety three. Going to get back into uh, some Ravens conversation here in just a second. Today's show is brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is still available only for another couple of weeks, and then this one will be gone forever. Um, the uh, the story from Todd Karpovich about the position players that have held over into the uh, the regime of Mike Elias from the Dan Duquette regime, plus lots of college basketball in there and Brooks Robinson memories as well, all in this print issue of Press Box. And then coming in just a couple of weeks, our annual Best of Baltimore Sports issue uh, featuring our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. That will be available in just about uh, two weeks, maybe two weeks. I think the 14th. The 14th, so not even two weeks. Not even two weeks from today. Joining us now, as he does every Friday, normally getting ready for a game. No game to be played this week, but we still want to catch up with our Press Box Ravens beat writer and Stan, a finalist for Sports Writer of the Year in the state of Maryland. We love that. Well, he gets my vote. I don't. Th- I don't know how. Where do I go? Do I go yeah. show up at the the little church where I go to vote for president? Do I go do that? He's Bo Smolka. He's back with us on GCR. Bo, good morning, sir. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Can, can cool. we stuff the ballot in any yeah, how way? Do, Bo? How do we rig this? For I, don't you? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say. So, um, no, I'm. I'm. I don't know how. The, I don't know how my name ended up there, honestly. But I appreciate whoever made the recognition or made the nomination. Who, and who are it was, who are you competing with? Yeah, we maybe can we can make something oh, happen. Right. Oh well, I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of good people in that list. Hang on a second. I'm going to pull up the list when I can find it because I I we we'll just Jonas, make up. Oh, Jonas. Jonas, Jonas is awful. I know He's Jonas terrible. Jameson. Uh, oh, they've got Rock time. Rock they've Coach got Steve so Molesky. much time. They've got plenty of time in their careers. Oh, I'm going to make up salacious things about yeah. them. I'm going to make up yeah. truly terrible oh, yeah. things about these people. Make sure that it can't be anybody that our guy. Well, that's awesome, Bo. We're very happy. Congratulations for you. Very, on very the cool. nomination, um, Bo. I, I, I will, I'll start with you know the news yesterday: the Cardinals releasing Zach Ertz, and logically, the first thought from everybody here is, well, that that would make some sense, and we don't know that he would even last on waivers to get to the Ravens. A lot of people have made the connection that it would make sense for him to go back to Philly, but the Ravens would be ahead of them uh, in waiver priority. I, I The thought that I had was I wouldn't 
bring in Zach Ertz to take over as the number one tight end. Like, to me, Isaiah Likely's got to be that guy moving forward. But for the purpose of depth and knowing that injuries can still happen and knowing that the prorated number at this point is not that big, I I wouldn't be opposed to the Ravens, like, considering Zach Ertz. Where are you with that? Yeah, I I agree with that. Honestly, when it first happened, I thought, this feels like the most Ravens thing ever, right? Mark Andrews gets hurt, and then this guy is the guy that's going to be available suddenly. Um, but you're right. I mean, number one, it's a waiver process, and they'd be low on the list of waiver priorities. But again, I mean, um, the, the question being who, who would who would be in the mix for him? Yeah, is likely going to be the number one tight end now. It is manageable economically. Um, so I'm kind of right where you are with that. Uh, I, I would think DeCosta's got to give it some consideration um, because they're, they're, they're going to, they miss Mark Andrews, period. But again, I mean, asking a guy to come in and immediately become the number one in December um, in an offense that he hasn't been in is, is asking something as well. What you saw offensively from the Ravens against the Chargers, which, it, again, it'd be unfair. I saw people like describing it as inept, and I'm like, you know, they're averaging over five yards per play. They're, they're moving the ball. They're just sort of getting bogged down when they cross the 50-yard line. Did you think, and the third down stuff in particular, did you think that was a story of them adjusting to life without Mark Andrews and the difficulty, particularly on those money downs, of not having your best offensive weapon on the field? Well, I thought it was strange that, I mean, they, they, we wondered right when the game started, how are they going to replace Andrews? How are they going to replace Andrews? Isaiah likely got targeted six times in the first half, but then not at all in the second half. So that was a little odd to me. Um, All the receivers seemed to go away in the second half. I think Jackson was six for 14 for 80 yards or something in the second half. The passing game just didn't get there at all. I do think third down will be an issue without Mark Andrews. I mean, that's his his guy. And it has been, they've been that way for six years now. And, And the bigger thing, and I mentioned this, I've mentioned it to you and I wrote about it, they have this kind of telepathy with Andrews and Jackson. And when the play breaks down, when Andrew, when Jackson gets in trouble and things aren't going right and he's in a moment of panic and has to make something happen, Andrews just is always there. It's just they kind of know what each other's going to do. And it's hard to explain. It's hard to quantify, but it, it's there. And that's what I think they're going to miss. And it doesn't show up in any playbook or anything, but it's just that kind of spontaneous, impromptu, need-to-do-it, on a moment's notice that they just had this connection and um, Lamar Jackson has called it street ball in the past, the way those two play together sometimes. And I think they're going to miss that. But the third down, like those quick slants to Beckham and Bateman, they, they, they look good in the first half. I thought, well, that's what they'll do. They'll just do that. Uh, but for some reason, like I said, likely, likely showed in the first half what he can do. He targeted him six times, but then he was not a factor in the second half at all. So, um, they're still, I, they, I'm sure they're spending this bye week trying to continue to work on how they replace Andrews. It's no small task. Uh, but I thought they got bogged down at times. Yes. And I, but I do think, I do think their third down situation is the, is where they're going to miss Andrews the most. Bo, I, I've got to ask you, uh, if you've noticed over the last couple of years, it started with the pandemic. I rarely will come out to, uh, to a hardball press conference um, it's it's a, a level of frustration I have with how he chooses to answer <laughs> questions. And I'm wondering, though, were you there this past Monday or whenever they did the, uh, the, the weekly presser, and was he asked about 
those couple decisions not to challenge a couple plays that looked to my eyes like he could have won, and then he does the one where I didn't see why he challenged it. Yeah, in fact, I, I asked him about those. I was there Monday, and I asked him specifically about them. I said, when you go back and look at it again, did you think that's why uh, your sports? That's why. That's challenged. why, in my eyes, yeah, sports your sports writer, writer of the year. <laughs> so what John said, and he answered it directly. He answered it very directly, and he yep. said, first of all, on the Lamar Jackson sweep to the left when he kind of got scrambled and tried to get to the first down marker, he said he did not think, even after watching the review, that they would have won the challenge on that. He said they. We on TV got to see this kind of frame by frame split screen of the sideline camera and the and the end camera that he didn't have at the moment, but he said even after watching that and even after seeing that, he just doesn't think that's a challenge they would have won. But wasn't that Bo, Bo, wasn't that the one that they thought was a first? That was down? the second one. That's that was the, the, no, the, the Aguilar play. Okay. So the Aguilar. So the, the, that was the one that got. And then what happened was. Jackson ended up about a foot short, and then they ended up going on fourth down with that direct snap to Gus Edwards, and he got stuffed, and that's a whole other story. But the second one to Nelson Aguilar, Lamar, uh, John Harbaugh said, they thought it, his quote to me at the time, his quote in the press conference was, everybody in the stadium thought it was a first down. The Ravens operated on the assumption that it was a first down. They thought they saw someone give a first down marker and they pointed out that in the, the television camera, and this was correct, the television camera that would be available up in the press box showed first and 10 on the graphic. Now, the first down marker never changed. On the field, it was third down marker, and you could clearly see that. But they thought, I think in the moment, they thought it was first down. And in fact, Todd Munkin told us, and John Harbaugh said as well, they call the play, that little bubble screen that nearly got intercepted, they call that play thinking it was first and 10. Todd Munkin later said, there's no way I'm calling that play on third and one. I thought it was first down. It's my fault. I should have known that that marker didn't change. But the reason John Harbaugh didn't challenge that one is he honestly thought it was first down. And he said, yeah, we'd like to have that one back. And there's no, the there's, no, there's, one, there's nobody in the chain of command there that says, hey, let's call a timeout and discuss this? Well, that would be the question, right? They, I, again, the, the question isn't that they discuss it. The question is no one – they just, they blew it. They yeah, just blew it. Okay. They thought it was first down, and it wasn't because the the you could see as they were get ready to snap the ball, the marker down on the field shows a three. It's clearly third down. Yeah. Um. And but again, they look up. They think they got it. They honestly it was a terrible spot. And John Harbaugh's right in the sense that that's the kind of thing that should have been discovered by whatever this eye in the sky of this yeah. other official is. It can say, wait a minute, something's not right here. So that, that should not have cost John Harbaugh a challenge there. That was just mm-hmm. a horrible spot, and it should have been caught by, by someone else before it came to that. And they, so they operate on the assumption it was first down. So, yeah, he said, we'd like to have that one back. On the, on the lateral play that they did challenge and lost on, he said, you know, from the look that we had, it was close, and it's third and 17. It's kind of a high-leverage challenge. It's worth his phrase was it was worth challenging at that point because it's third and 17, and if and they got the first down, if I remember, on the play. So if you challenge it and it's and it's forward pass, you've caught them 20 yards or whatever, and it's fourth down, So or it's third and whatever. So that was how he did explain all three of them. Okay, thank you. Bo Smolka, Press Box mm-hmm. Ravens beat writer with us. The only issue I have with that is that, like, the, you know, you might need that challenge at the, the timeout at the end of the game. Like, that's the end of the game, and that could be the difference in winning and losing. You better know... That, that to say, hey, it's it's worth the shot. But, yeah, it's worth the shot if you know you're going to get it. 
and there was nothing that showed that they were going to get that. So that's the problem that I have with it. Yeah. But the other issue, that, I, well, that was yeah. all. That was his argument too on the Lamar Jackson. He says we don't want to blow, blow our challenge it's there the first on half. a play that honestly I don't think we're going to get. We're going to win it. We're going to lose that challenge, and then we're, we lose that challenge. Right. And so by the that way, was the, another. The, the only defense I'll give John there because I I disagree. I think there was enough evidence they would have gotten it, Bo. But like there is a bigger problem that, and we saw this in the Ohio State Michigan game on Saturday where that was pretty clearly, as it turns out, an interception um, in the end zone. But the, the, the bias towards the call on the field from officials is it's, it's almost becoming burdensome to getting these things right and has screwed up the replay process. Like the, the thing that we keep saying over and over again, it's got to be clear and overwhelming evidence. Well, like, how about we just make sure that we get the call right? And John might have a point that because the bias to the call that's made on the field is so significant, it's possible that even though we saw what we saw and it is pretty clear to us that Lamar Jackson got there, that the officials might just be inclined to say, hey, the call that was made on the field is the one that's going to stand because it's close enough to allow us to do that. It's a good, it's a good point. I mean, it is true. The, the call on the field bias is huge, and, yeah. it, and that's why you know, it has to be clear and convincing evidence to overturn um, but it, it is, and that's why it's so important what the original call is. On whatever the call is, it's always so important what the original call is. Um, and I think bias is a good word for it. It's, it, it is a, it's, a, it's a strong sway toward the call in the field. Bo, the other thing from Sunday night that I think was concerning, and it's sort of similar to what we saw, and I get it, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, they are otherworldly edge rushers. But the Ravens are obviously having issues at the tackle position, and it's on both sides. It's both Look, Kevin Zeitler, Tyler Linderbaum, they're playing really well. They've had great seasons. Ronnie Stanley has not played like Ronnie Stanley, and Morgan Moses, frankly, hasn't, to me, played like Morgan Moses this year. Do, do you think that's just Ronnie Stanley dealing with the injuries that he's dealt with, maybe guys just needing to get to a bye week? What do you make of the issues that we've seen that have kind of continued this year when the Ravens have played higher-end edge rushers? No, I think they're both uh, – first of all, I think they're both physically not healthy. I mean, Morgan Moses has been dealing with shoulder injury most of the year, um, and he is getting up in years, but he, he, I know he's been dealing with shoulder injury. To me, Ronnie Stanley was the more concerning one because he just didn't look right at all. Yeah. Um, and he on the, on the play where Lamar Jackson scrambled for that play that should or should not have been challenged, I mean, Stanley got driven right back into Jackson. Jackson's lucky he didn't fall down for like a 10-yard loss on that play. He made a great play to kind of get out of trouble and scramble at all. But Jackson, but Stanley got overwhelmed on that play. He just got pushed backwards right into him. The leg strength, the knee strength just doesn't look to be there right now, and I don't know that it's going to get there in 12 days off. Uh, so it's, the question is, can, are they better off with him at whatever strength he is for now? Or is this who he is at this point in his career? Is this who he is after all these injuries? The ankle, the knee, is, is this just who he is? And that's a, that's a bigger question they have to ask um, toward going forward this year, next year, the following year with his contract being what it is. Um, but are they better off with a healthy Patrick McCarry playing there now and Stanley not? I think those are questions they have to ask themselves because Ronnie Stanley just could not – he couldn't hold up against him. And, and, I mean, every team coming up, there's a lot of good Ezra, edge rushers they're yeah. going to deal with. So that's something that I'm sure they're spending a lot of time this week and next really evaluating that. Yeah, not like you have to face both uh, Nick Bosa and Chase Young in the same game coming up here in a couple of weeks. Not like that's still <laughs> yeah. on the docket for the Ravens. Mm. Uh, and then, Bo, for me, I, 
how how are you thinking about discussing talking about Justin Tucker at this point? Like, is it is it an utter nothing to you? Like, by this is just the greatest anomaly of all time, or are you filing it away in the back of your brain? Like, we 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 do need to sort of continue to monitor this. Like, m- maybe there's starting to be a turn. Not to say that he stinks or that he's gonna miss more forty four yard kicks, but just that it it's not the Justin Tucker level that we've all gotten to know and appreciate over the years. I'm, I'm not at the level of concern yet. Um, I, you know, you missed the 44 year field goal. I think it happens. It almost never happens with him. I'll say that it almost never happens with him. And he has missed about well, four or five outside of 50 yards. this year. now one, I think was 60, a couple were blocked. Yeah. Um, and that could be on the protection. It could be on the kick. It could be both. So I know people are alarmed when he misses and that's a credit to him. He missed what is wrong with him. What do you mean he's not perfect? Um, and so I am not at the point now where I'm alarmed. I think maybe people, he's going to trot out there for a 49-yarder in late December. Maybe people aren't as convinced they'll make it. I, I think the guy deserves the benefit of the doubt, and the Ravens certainly are going to keep going with him. And I do still think he's a weapon that no other team has. And it's interesting because we were I, – I dug some numbers in because um, – uh, young Oku from Atlanta is now the most yeah. accurate kicker in NFL history. He kind of took over from Justin Tucker after Justin Tucker missed. Okay, so I just dug in and say, well, it turns out who has never made a field goal beyond 54 yards, and since he came into the league, he has tried two from outside 54 yards. He missed from like 56, and I think he had a 63-yarder block. So when two, since 2017, when he came into the league, he has tried two from outside 54 yards, and Tucker's tried 24 and hit 14 of them. So he's still a weapon that is unlike any other in the league. And I'm not, I'm not ready to say he's taken a turn uh, toward the tail end of his career yet. I still think he's really good, and, and we'll see. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. But I still, I'm still on board with him. Bo, uh, defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, is, is, he, is he a hot candidate? for a head coaching job, do you think? I mean, I, if, I think he should be. I don't know that he will be. Um, you never know how these owners think. Sometimes, you know, whether they think he's not proven enough yet, two years as an NFL coordinator, he's mid-30s. Um, but it is impossible to uh, kind of not notice what he's done with this defense. I mean, they are really playing well at all three levels. I think everyone in the organization, and it's probably spreading nationally, see him as kind of a, I don't know if a wonderkind is too much, but as a really brilliant young mind in the game. Um, he's, he's kind of quiet and unassuming, but he's obviously incredibly smart and incredibly attentive to detail and what he wants his team to do. Uh, so there's so much to like about him as, as a coach. If, if I'm an owner, I would certainly have him on my list to look at. Um, you know, every time this coaching cycle comes along, it seems there's we often hear of the same names and the same kind of some of them are retreads, but that may be changing a little bit. But he is certainly going to put his name into the conversation. And I know there's some people here saying, well, the Ravens should do something to sweeten the pot for him and kind of let him know he's the coach in waiting whenever Harbaugh leaves or whatever. I don't know if there'll be anything like that, but his name is going to percolate. There's no doubt. Uh, he's, look, man, he's been unbelievable. I mean, he's just been unbelievable. Sure, sure. The disguising in particular has been yep. nuts. At B. Smolka on Twitter, as always, is how you f- can follow him. 
And, of course, PressBoxOnline.com is where you see his stuff. Bo, enjoy your bye weekend, sir. We will talk to you again next Friday, all right? All right, thank you. Take care. It's Bo Smolka, finalist for uh, Sports Writer of the Year uh, in the state of Maryland. So hopefully we'll have our fingers crossed for him that he'll bring home that honor. That is uh, very cool, and he is very deserving. All right. Yes, sir. We will, um, we will be talking with Mike Gibbons, the Babe Ruth Museum, when we come back in. Today's show brought to you by the Tyus Bowser program. If you have not heard, we are not doing a Tyus Bowser show next Tuesday. We just made the decision that coming off a of bye week, it didn't make sense. There'd be no game to talk about. There'd be no, what, what are we going to do? So we pushed it back a week, and we're going to get together on December 12th, and I think we're going to be able to announce that here very quickly, where that show is going to be. Tyus Bowser shows a partnership of PressBox and Great 8's memorabilia. It's brought to you by HelpMyGamblingProblem.org, AJ Michaels, and Superbook Sports. Find out more, PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles' survivors. Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Henneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball programs around the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along to holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on Events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas in at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. 
six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org slash hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR. And uh, just a reminder that the bat round is uh, continuing in a new form moving forward. Paul and Ryan Blake talking baseball every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And you can watch the show facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And I believe this week we're going to have it back on YouTube as well at youtube.com slash pressboxonline. But that show continues uh, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. with Paul and Ryan Blake talking baseball. Stan the Fan Charles in studio with us on a Friday edition of GCR. You got any uh, plans for the weekend, Stan? Oh, any? I got big plans. Yeah? You going to yeah. go rip it up? You going up? I, I, okay, I don't know if I told the story on air. I bumped into Johnny Holiday. Yeah. I was down helping out my friend A.J. Francis with his annual food drive mm-hmm. at the football game. And this was the Michigan game the morning after the basketball team had gotten their brains beat in by Villanova. Right. And so I, I saw Johnny, and we were chatting for a while. I'm like, wow, you, you know, it's early in the morning. It was like 10 a.m. after he had just driven back from Philadelphia. He said, Glenn, it's actually crazier. I was in Atlantic City on Thursday night. I said, what? What kind of wildlife is he living? He said, my wife and I went to see Sebastian Maniscalco oh boy. in Atlantic City on Thursday night. Drove Johnny lives in Kensington. Drove back to Kensington. Then drove up to Philadelphia, back to Kensington, mm. and then was there in College Park for a second. Johnny Holiday's 86 years old. Yeah, I know. I know. He's 86. Yeah. I'm hoping I can make it home. Right? That's, that's my weekend. Right. I'm hoping I can make it And I didn't it know home. how to say that because like, you never, when you, you know, when you're talking, to, I don't ever want to be like, Johnny, how? Like, how in the world is that how you're living? Like, how is that possible? But. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I Sebastian Maniscalco yeah. has a TV bookie, show, yeah. Bookie. doesn't look very... It doesn't look good to me. It doesn't know. look I've good I've seen a lot of Charlie Sheen's involved. It does right. not. Charlie it's going to be a no for me, dog. Going to be a yeah. no for me. What did you do for your anniversary? What, did, you, did you have a nice dinner? I had a couple folks over and, uh, and, a, and a cousin, and uh, it was nice. Very uh-huh. nice, quiet. Nice and quiet. I am taking the kid. Every year, I have a deal with the kids where they get to go on a Christmas adventure. We just take a day, and I don't, I don't work, I don't do Doesn't anything. Doesn't take the place of Santa? Having it would a- be right, like you would think that I can make up for the fact that there's not going to be a Christmas this year. <laughs> um, our Christmas adventure this year, I'm taking them to Hershey Park. Wow. Tomorrow, that's our Christmas adventure this year. 
going to go up in the morning. And they're open? They're, they're... They do like a Christmas thing. Okay. And actually, yeah. the weather's supposed to be like 50-something tomorrow. Yeah. It's supposed it's to be... Today's supposed to be I 60? Some, some, I think it's supposed to be some rain today. Okay. Um, but Is tomorrow 60? Yeah, like up to 60 degrees tomorrow. Yeah, it's supposed to be fairly nice. So we're going to go up to uh, Hershey Park with the kids tomorrow. We're going to go make chocolate in the morning in Hershey, and then we're going to go to the park in the afternoon, and they do like a big lights thing at night. So... That's going to be that our like Christmas fun. adventure. Yeah, that should be more than enough to make up. And my parents are taking them on a Disney cruise in January. They don't need Christmas. They're good. That's cr- that's Christmas that's enough. That's way more Christmas than they need. So this will show them to keep hiding the keys, I guess. Yeah, right? Yeah. Those, those jerks. You know what you could do in advance of this is have them walk around school, you know, with a sign attached like on their head. Mm-hmm. It says, one would say Glenn Clark 23. Yeah. And the oh, other and Stan Charles 23. Charles 23. And try to get some sign. You think that the. I'm pretty sure we're not allowed to have the eight and six year olds sign up. At, you're talking about the teachers. The teachers could sign up at superbook.com. That's exactly. With the that's Superbook who, that app. would be the market they would be after. Use those and codes. Have administrators. Right. Yeah. The principal. Have your kids yeah. get into trouble. Exactly. Spitballs. Or, or maybe talk about betting, like in class. And then they get sent down to the office and they say, Well, I was only talking about it because, Ooh. Mr. Gladstone, did you know that you could save up to $250? Not save up to, you could receive up to $250 in a same day first bet match from superbook.com if you use the code Glenn Clark 23 or Stan Charles 23. That would be like, do you remember the movie with uh, Robert De Niro and Le- Leonardo DiCaprio, This Boy's Life? I do remember that film. Do you remember the Shut Your Pie Hole? Yeah, Shut Your Pie. I do remember. I that. taught my niece okay. to say that. Oh. You know, I <laughs> taught. The next day, I'm she sure. went to school, no. and her teacher said oh, something to no. her, and she said, "Shut your pile." There's been a lot of there's been a lot of weird ones for my kids recently. Like I'm getting a lot of dudes. Like I say something back, and they're like, "Dude," and the other one I'm getting back is, "How dare you?" I get that all the time from my kid. I'll say something like, uh, "It's time to go set the table." How dare you? <laughs> Where are they get the audacity? Yeah, they, Where do you get off? Like, you know. <laughs> I don't understand it whatsoever. Asking me? <laughs> Makes no sense. All right. You um, have to have Griffin uh, take over some of the, the parenting, parenting responsibilities. Things. I don't know what they're going to How dare you? They're going to yeah, start betting primetime unders and yeah. losing because the Cowboys well, and the Seahawks be scored a winners. billion points. Uh, next week, uh, a bet you can make is an opportunity to check out. If you have never visited the Babe Ruth Museum, this is your opportunity to do it gratis. Joining us now, he is the executive director of the Babe Ruth Museum. He's our friend Mike Gibbons, and he's back with us here on GCR. Mike, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan. It's great to chat with you as always. Thanks for taking the time for us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to you guys. Uh, <laughs> I was up at Hershey Park a few years ago. Okay. It, it's really it's, it's great fun. Did you do it? And at, you at, end up. Did you do it at Christmas? Did you do it at Christmas time? What? Did you do it at Christmas time, Mike? No, we oh. did not. We uh, we did it. I think in, in like April or something. But it, it's really great. And uh, I, uh, you know, even as an old guy, I was like, wow, this is cool. You know. So uh, anyway, we did that. But I enjoyed listening to you. Your back and forth on I that. I appreciate it. So yeah, we uh, we are um, having uh, a what we're calling a holiday yard sale on December eighth and ninth, and which is a Friday and Saturday next week. And we are offering free admission. And then folks can come in and see the largest collection of sports books that I've ever seen in my life. 
<laughs> and, uh, I mean, how many, uh, how many uh, are we talking about, Mike? Oh, geez, eight or nine hundred wow. uh, sports books that date back. The earliest book uh, dates to nineteen fourteen, and uh, but they go all the way up. Uh, and, and you remember the old baseball encyclopedias, the big fat things. Sure, uh, we have several of those in in their original shrink wrap. And and uh, I don't know about you guys, but as a sports historian, I'm in it all the time. So, um, but, you know, novels, a lot of books about uh, local celebrity, local sports celebrities, uh, books written by John Steadman or Chuck Thompson or, or John Miller and, and uh, you know, about Earl Weaver and, and the Orioles and the Colts and the Ravens and the Turks and, um, you know, Jimmy Fox and Al Kaline and anything and everything to do with uh, Maryland baseball, um, you know, and, and, of course, Babe Ruth and a lot of books on Babe Ruth that are available. So, I just think that if people are into sports, um, you can come down and find some books uh, to, you know, to give to your friend, your sports friend. And the books are priced uh, at like a dollar or two dollars, or you can buy, you know, five books for seven dollars or, you know, it, it depends on the book. But um, great opportunity. And the other things that are going to be as part of this holiday yard sale, and this has always struck uh, a chord with with our friends, um, we uh, collect as time goes by uh, graphics that we use in exhibits. Okay, so let's say we do an exhibit on the 1983 Orioles. Well, there's graphics, museum quality graphics, and um, after after the show is over, there's really nothing to do with them. So we offer them to uh, to fans for your man cave. You know, that's cool. put, put stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's that's really good. Along with bobbleheads and all kinds of other trinkets that are related to local sports. So uh, that's coming up two days next week. Free admission at the museum from 9.30 to 2.30 next Friday and Saturday, uh, December 8th and 9th. So well, that, hope to see you down there. While that's a great deal for fans, it also, I think it's important to stress, this this money from this helps fund you guys during the non-baseball season, correct? Yeah, that's right. You don't get uh, a lot of uh, attendance over the winter months uh, because we are a primarily a baseball museum, and so this uh, helps us uh, to uh, you know to pay the bills, keep the lights on, and uh, and and stuff like that. So you know, come on down and listen. Um, we are featuring exhibits. We we have uh, when when Brooks Robinson passed away, we put together an exhibit, and uh, it it is up and running right now. And featuring things like his first professional contract with the Orioles. So if you want to see what Brooks made uh, in a signing bonus, <laughs> but then also what he made in his monthly salary in 1955, it'll knock your socks off. That's <laughs> really like, cool. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to come see for yourself. So, uh, you know, it's all good. That's really cool. Um, Mike Gibbons from the Babe Ruth Museum is with us. I, and I, I happen to be perusing the website before you came on, Mike, and I saw that you're also doing an auction this weekend, and like, there's some stuff that you have here that I hadn't. You've got Memorial Stadium beer taps available right now. Years ago, when that Memorial Stadium was demolished, uh, we were assigned the job of administering the uh, taking apart of the ballpark and pulling anything that we felt was historic and stuff like that. And so, uh, yeah, we uh, we you may remember the inscription. Uh, as you walk into the stadium, um, uh, time will not uh, yeah, dim the glory of their deeds. Yeah. We have the letters from that the inscription. So, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff the state of Maryland charged us to sell 
uh, Memorial Stadium bricks and seats and, and we did and memorabilia. But there are a few things that, uh, you know, we found in our, our warehouse storage um, and, <laughs> and and beer taps, uh, a couple of beer taps from from the ballpark are, are uh, uh, in a part of this auction. Man, that's cool. I'm looking at this auction is so cool. You still have pieces of the goalposts from Memorial Stadium and an actual on-deck circle, like the actual on-deck circle from Camden Yards one season. This is a really cool auction. And when is that auction taking place? It's uh, today, uh, tomorrow, and Sunday. And that's uh, that's an online auction. You can go to our website and, uh, and check that out. But, yeah, we tried to make this just a, a, a collection of unique items that people aren't going to find, uh, Glenn, as you were saying, in, in too many other, other places. So, uh, you know, you got that going on, and a couple of Memorial Stadium seats are still around. And, I, I'm, uh, looking at, I'm looking at the seats signed by Cal Ripken Jr. right now and saying, my God, like, that, that is about as unique and special of a piece as anyone could ever possibly have. Right. And, and you may have uh, seen this. But out in Pikesville, there was a road dedicated to Brooks Robinson, and and the street sign, yeah. the group, one of those green signs, uh, says Brooks Robinson Drive. I so live gave, I live right around the corner from there, Mike. Yep. There you go. Well, the first the prototype for that, uh, which they gave to Brooks, and then Connie called called us and said, "Get it out of here." <laughs> <laughs> um, but but Brooks Brooks signed it, so uh, it's another thing for your man cave. It's it, it's about ten feet long. But nevertheless, it's really a very cool piece, and and I think that uh, somebody's going to be very happy to have that. That's all available right now. Uh, an auction that, uh, as Mike mentioned, is going on this weekend. And just go right now to BabeRuthMuseum.org, and you can click on it. says right there, three-day auction. Click on that, and all of these extraordinarily unique items are up to bid. And then go over, Mike, one more time the details for next weekend, the days, the hours that everybody can come down to check out the yard sale and check out the museum. And let me just throw in one question. The books that you have, the 900 or so books that you have, how did you accumulate those over the years? Donations by sports fans? and Yep. And, and, but so, but uh, that's a great question, Stanley. Um, John Stedman was a dear friend. John Stedman had a huge collection of books. Okay. And, and he, uh, he donated or gave those to us. Uh, as part of his estate. Uh, okay. And also, the Orioles PR director, uh, Bob Brown, uh, an extensive book collection, the same with Baltimore baseball historian and, and uh, Baltimore Sun editorial writer, Jim Brady. Th- those uh, collections came in, but they're, they're so immense, and we really do not have the capacity to, to house them, to store them. We are not um, a library. So um, we did not accession them into our collection. They are, you know, they were donated and they have just uh, been, you know, sitting with us for, for quite some time, along with uh, your average fan. Uh, you know, people people donate things. And uh, in many cases, like we're trying to get every Baltimore Colts program, game program uh, for their entire existence. And we're getting closer. So Jim and Stedman, Jim Brady and John Stedman had a lot of, of those cult programs. Now they're going into the collection because that's part of our mission. So uh, anyway, but the books, they're, they're you know, Grantland Rice, there's uh, just uh, all, all kinds of, Tom Boswell, uh, you know, great stuff. Some of the books are signed. And uh, anyway, Glenn, to your point, next Friday and Saturday, December 8th and 9th, 
from 9.30 in the morning until 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, free admission. Come down and shop for the holidays and get your get all your sports fans something. I found four copies of a Stedman book that my parents gave me when I was like 11 years old. And it was the first book or, or a book about the, the uh, foundation of the Baltimore Colts. How did they get here? Uh, you know, and it takes us up through 1957. So um, I'm giving uh, uh, those copies to my Baltimore Colts fans. That's cool. And uh, now those, those opportunities will be there. Uh, parking should not be an issue. There's plenty of street parking around the University of Maryland parking garage is right across Pratt Street from us. So come on down, see the museum, and um, help us get ready for the holidays. BabeRuthMuseum.org is the website to find out more. Mike Gibbons, always appreciate Thanks you. Thanks for coming on, Mike. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. It's Mike Gibbons with us here on GCR ahead of that. Boy, this auction is so cool. Like, I, I want all of it. If you're maybe trying to do some uh, Christmas shopping for your old, your favorite internet radio show host. That would be would great gifts for your kids. Yeah, nope. Nope, they're not getting anything. They're, they're, we're going to Hershey Park and they're going on a cruise. That's what, there's no gifts. There's no <laughs> gifts. Not going to happen. Um, Couldn't go to Goodwill? No. And no. Buy them like they a, got everything. Like what else bl- could they ask for in life? Bl- like a blanket or something. God, like that. they get everything they want. I swear to I God. Mean, it- when you turn the heat down. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Every uh, every night since he's had his tonsils taken out, I've woken up to this six-year-old being in bed with us. I'm like, Aww. what the hell is going? Like for the first couple weeks, we were okay with it. We're like, mm-hmm. all right, you're recovering. Then we're like, okay, now it's time to go back to your bed. Like you're sleeping in your bed now. And every night, every night, I wake up at some point like three in the morning. I look over. I'm like, there's. And what am I gonna do? I got a great way to end that. Yeah, you beat him to bed. At night, okay. and you're in his bed. Uh, that's now. That's a hell of an idea. The problem is he requested that one night when we first, <laughs> when we first told him he had to go back to sleeping in his bed. Right. He said, "Okay, well, you're going to sleep in my bed, right?" And I was like, "No, dude." My wife was like, oh, "It's the free. He's trying to. Re- we're trying to get him readjusted." Like, right. put, God damn it! Every night, what more could they ask for in life? They have all the streaming apps. They, God, they They've have got every, everything. They don't They're need spoiled. anything. They're they need spoiled. nothing. Santa Claus can just skip right over our house. Save your money. Spend it on Rolling Stones tickets for Dad. That's that's the way that I see things. Uh, I need to speaking of gifts. I need to take a minute and um, say if you did not hear from us yesterday, Griffin and I did go through and we pulled all of the winners for our raffle. Um, for the, what we did to benefit the Helping Up mission. If you did not hear from us, I am sorry to tell you it's because you were not among the winners. But um, I did have one person at the end who wasn't sure they were going to be able to use their passes, so we might have to revisit that list and uh, go back. But we did the, um, the, draw, the, the drawing for the raffle winners yesterday. If you, I swear to God, we recorded all of it so that if any of you think that it's not on the up and up, we have proof. Um, but anyway, thank you all for everything that you did. We, uh, with the raffle, raised $2,500 in addition to what we had already raised. We are very close to $3,000 to be able to spend on toiletries and underwear for the folks at Helping Up Mission who need it. 
Was this the thing that was tied to that uh, that uh, in season in season tournament? tournament? Yes, it was. Uh, how you, did I how did I do so there? So funny that you asked. I had Stan. Oklahoma City and Atlanta. Yeah, so interesting that you asked that question because Griffin and I yesterday went over and looked at who the eight teams were that were left in the tournament, and Griffin has a team left. Go Pelicans! In the tournament. Let's go. You unfortunately do not. The Hawks and Thunder did not make sorry, the Stan. quarterfinals. Sorry. I'm so sorry. You do not have a team in. I would blame Glenn. Griffin yeah, still has. You have the, to let me know earlier next year. Why? So I get in earlier and my oh, team's a better team. Yeah. It's, it was a random draw. I got uh, in like was, first and I got two worst teams. And somehow New Orleans is in it. Yep. New Orleans is in the quarterfinals. So Griffin still has very a team alive. Andrew Stecka still has a team alive. That's very interesting. Yeah. Now, friends of the show. Yeah, weird. Well, you know, most I'm everybody, really, I'm the most everybody involved here is a friend of the show, Stan. I don't know how else you think people are getting in. <laughs> By the way, the winner, our big winner of the autographed helmet, the grand prize winner in the raffle, Chris yes. Matsakis, he's also still alive. He has the Suns, who ran up the score the other night to make sure that they got into the quarterfinals of this dopey in-season tournament. So uh, I'm sorry to tell you, unfortunately, right. your team's no longer in it. All right. All right, uh, we will be doing Charity Bowl Pick'em Contest. However, that's the next way that you can help us out with helping up Mission. $20 buy-in. Half of the pot will go to the winner. The other half of the pot goes to helping up Mission. And starting on Sunday when all the bowl games are announced, you'll be able to sign up, pick all those games, winner take all. We will have a tiebreaker scenario. Winner take all. Bowl Pick'em Contest. And it's and it's by the... The most wins. Most wins, and it's just straight up. Not against points. Not against the spread. Just straight up picking the winner. Oh, boy, that's one of the areas I really am expert at. Yeah, you're the bowl pick them. Oh, God. You know me. I I could tell you everything there is to know about the Pool and Weed Weed Inner Independence Bowl. I don't think that one exists. Where's Maryland going to go? Uh, I heard they're between been, tropical. No, well, uh, Phoenix has been uh, linked. Vegas, Vegas is on the table. For that Maryland. would be against a Pac-12 team. Uh, yes, Mountain that what? the Vegas okay. one would be a, potentially against like USC. That would Damn. be. Uh, I think I heard that they are rooting for that one. Mm-hmm. It's also before Christmas. And they like that, too, for people traveling. Uh-huh. The other one, the Phoenix one, is the day after Christmas, and they're worried that mm, they wouldn't have any fans that would make that trip the day if after Christmas. If they go Christmas. to Vegas, is there any chance as a Christmas present you would take the wife and kids No, they've there? gotten everything they need, Stan. <laughs> there are no more presents. But you guys, if you can, if you want to give your favorite radio host <laughs> or your 10th favorite radio host, whatever it is. Favorite radio producer. That's well. it, yeah. Yeah. That uh, like uh, that the or a friend of the show, friend of the show, that uh, Cal Ripken signed seat from Memorial Stadium. Go over to Babe Ruth Museum. I'm going to try and get that for you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to try to finagle your way through. Next day, show up and I'm take gonna it. Bid, I'm awesome. going to bid some serious money on that. Ah, I got a funny feeling when you say serious kind, money. Kind of like you, the way, kind of like is, the way the Orioles will bid for yeah, Josh Hader. Josh Hader, hundred percent. Oh, they offered ten million. Yeah, that's good money. It it sure is. Just came up a little it's, bit. Short. It's serious money. It's serious money. Speaking of the Orioles, we had to do this a little bit earlier on today because of uh, his schedule. But Stan and I had the opportunity to catch up with uh, someone who was an important part of this year's Orioles team. He is now, however, a St. Louis Cardinal. Kyle Gibson, right here on GCR. 
Well, Stan, you and I had an opportunity to catch up with our next guest about midway through the season, and what struck me was the joy that he was experiencing being a Baltimore Oriole. And with that in mind, it's sad to say he's no longer a Baltimore Oriole. He's now back. and He's, he's the in, enemy. He's the enemy. Well, I don't know. We don't have to... Do, we, do the Orioles play the Cardinals this year? i got to think about yeah, that for they, a second. They definitely do. They do. You're right. Yeah. 100% they do. He is former Oriole, now St. Louis Cardinals starting pitcher Kyle Gibson, and he is with us here on GCR. Kyle, it's Glenn and Stan in Baltimore. It's so good to catch up with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you for the kind words. It's uh Baltimore is a fun place, and uh, it'll be great to catch up with you guys this morning. Yeah, Kyle, I, what we said, I, I remember Stan and I, after wow. we talked to you that morning over the summer, talking about how much it struck us, what this season had been meaning to you, like how how everything you had done in your career, the way that you talked about it, what it was like to be around those guys. Can you describe for everyone what it, – it's one season. It's a blip on the radar for Kyle Gibson, but what it meant to you to be a part of this Orioles team. Um, you know, Baltimore, um, I feel like I've had the chance to say this a lot, but, um, Baltimore and Camden Yards was just somewhere that I always enjoyed playing as a road player and knowing how passionate the fan base is when that team is really good. Um, and the support they get, even in years when, you know, maybe they're having a down year, um, was just something that looked like a lot of fun to be a part of. So, um, it was, uh, it was just a spot that I really wanted to be. And, and then, you know, the, the group of people that I was with, uh, you know, the players and coaches, they just made it, you know, really enjoyable. And I think it's, it's easy in uh, today's culture and today's age to be, um, you know, elsewhere while you're in one place, you know, mentally, you're somewhere else mentally, you want to be somewhere else, maybe, you know, you're unhappy with your job, and you think somewhere else is going to be more fun. Well, I just I'm a believer that wherever I am is where I'm supposed to be, and um, you know sometimes that's in a great spot and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's playing well and sometimes it's not. And um, but if you're not present where you're at, I don't think you're getting the most out of your situation. And um, you know, thankfully we had a, a really fun group to be around, and and in those cases and in those times, you know, I try to maximize having fun and uh, trying to maximize the the situation I'm in and. And that was a fun group to do that with. Kyle, now from the outside looking in, can you define, because it's something that Stan and I talked about a lot this year, why was it so, like, why was the culture the way, I know it's it's always more fun to win. Like, I understand that, you know, there's always going to be a better attitude around a winning team than there is around a team that's not winning. But this seemed to be something even more unique and even more special. Can you define why this group had such a unique culture in Baltimore? Yeah, I mean, obviously winning winning is fun, right? Um, you know, but I've also been on teams that haven't won and we've had fun, and I've been on teams that have won and you just feel like you're not having as much fun as you should have. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not that that always fixes everything. Um, so I think culture is important. You know, how, how you show up to the park, um, if there's accountability, uh, if there's a, a, and I know this sounds silly, but if there's a work atmosphere that's being created to have fun, created to, um, you know, give you the chance to be the best player you can be. Um, once again, we probably, 
you know, everybody listening has probably been in a work environment that they necessarily didn't think it was you know, great in cultivating, you know, joy, cultivating happiness. I mean, that's, that's Glenn, part Glenn of life, I, right? Glenn and uh, I are in one of those. Right yeah, now. yeah, it's terrible. It's a miserable every day. I can't, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. So you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, no, I mean, it's, but, you know, then you can have an atmosphere where you know that when you show up and work hard, the guy next to you or the girl next to you is working hard and you're working for the same objective and you're going in the same direction. And not all those days are going to be great. But when you know you're pushing in the same direction, you got somebody next to you who's working hard and can pick you up when you need it. Kyle, I'm just curious. Um, was there ever any discussion with the Orioles about staying? Or, or was it kind of made clear to you in some way, shape, or form that, hey, i got to move on and I'll do something pretty quick? Um, well, I, I think I want to be careful with how I say it because I think just because you – just because we didn't hear from the Orioles, I don't think is something that means, you know, they didn't want me around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely don't want that to sound like I didn't uh, feel appreciated because it wasn't long after the season that I heard from, you know, a lot of leadership in the Orioles, you know, calling me and, and they were just appreciative of the season we had and, you know, thanking me for what I brought to the table. And um, that meant a lot. And I mean, I think uh, everybody wants to feel like, you know, where you're at, you, you're wanted there. And um, I felt that. And so I wasn't going to let, you know, the team situation where they have a lot of really good starting pitching, I wasn't going to let that situation, you know, sour how I felt about the Orioles or think that's how they felt about me. So, um, you know, sure, I, I would have loved to have been back. Um, but, you know, what I learned over the last year was that this front office is pretty prepared. Mm-hmm. This front office has a, a pretty good plan with what they do. And, just because maybe I fit into the plans in 2023 and I don't fit into the plans in 2024, um, you know, that doesn't change how I feel about my time there and how I feel about the people there. Hey, I got a, I got a little bit of an offbeat question for you. A few years ago, I got pretty friendly with a former uh, Orioles pitching coach. He wasn't the major league pitching coach, Rick Peterson. I don't know if you know Rick or not, but Rick was the organizational pitching coach and under Buck Showalter and under really under Dan Duquette. Uh, and at that time, he said that the two major league pitching coaches, which were Dave Wallace and uh, Dom, Dom Chidi, and Buck used to look at some of the things he taught like he had two heads. Hmm. Um, I'm wondering how you feel about Chris Holt now taking a job that is the organizational pitching coach, and it seems like he is Mike Elias's guy. Is that the way an organization should set this up, where the the organizational pitching coach really kind of oversees the entire organization? Well, I think that <clears throat> I think it is important to have um, cohesiveness and a plan throughout the organization. I think it's important for. Uh, the people in double-A, uh, to know what's expected when you get to triple-A. I think it's even more important for guys in triple-A to know what they expect when you get to the big leagues. And um, I think the position, uh, this is really the first time that I know much about Holty's position, so it's yeah. a little a little new for me. But knowing that he's there and knowing his past, um, I think it's it's going to be really helpful because um, you you really need – guys being called up, whether they're pitchers or hitters, 
to be really prepared for the situation that about ready to go in. Um, because I think as you see down the stretch, right, you know, we ended up winning the division with a few games left, but, yep. um, you know, one to two games can hinge winning the division or not. And you want those guys to be prepared. So I believe that um, if you have someone who can help, you know, maybe bridge a gap between a big league coaching staff and a triple A coaching staff that may, might not know each other, might not talk a whole lot all the time, I think that can be really helpful. And if, if an organization has a pitching philosophy that they believe in and that they have someone who can teach from the bottom up and not kind of put all of that communication and put all of that cohesiveness on the big league staff only, uh, then I think it can, it can be a big benefit. Because it's really been interesting to me to watch who they ended up hiring. They ended up hiring a guy who's quite Drew French, who's quite familiar and actually worked under Holt and Elias in Houston. So it seems like he understands he's not the the pitching coach of the organization. He is merely going to play out uh, Chris Holt's vision, I guess I would say. It's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think you know a lot of those conversations happen behind closed doors, yeah. and and I think there is going to be some sort of an element of all right. Once you get in the dugout, um, the game is the game, and you know Hyder's going to make his decisions along with that pitching coach, and mm-hmm. they've got to be in communication with what's going on, and they're not going to have the ability to necessarily call Mike or call Holt or call whoever and say, hey, what do we need to do here? Uh, you know, who's available, right? I mean, all those decisions and. And all that stuff is going to be done, you know, in the dugout on the fly. And, and the new pitching coach is going to have to develop relationships and is going to have to, you know, figure out how each of these pitchers tick and how each of these pitchers work and, and how to maximize it. And a lot of that stuff happens day to day on the field, um, you know, in pregame warmups and, and in pregame bullpens. And, um, you know, sure, I mean, it sounds like Holtz is going to have his hand in some of it, um, but that new pitching coach is going to have to do – a lot of uh, work on the ground with getting to know those guys. He is Kyle Gibson. He is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, um, obviously there was disappointment from the way the season ended, and I know you're not part of it anymore, but when you look back and knowing what you know about these guys, a rotation with a healthy John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, and Kyle Bradish at the top is capable of doing what moving forward? Um, I mean, I think – I think it's uh, it can't be mentioned without mentioning uh, you know Tyler Wells and Dean Kramer too, right? Sure. I mean those five guys all had really really good years last year, and um, they developed a lot, and they've turned themselves into a rotation that has a lot of different weapons and comes at you a lot of different ways with those weapons and and with the pitch mixes they have. Um, I mean, I feel like it's probably fair to say we were underestimated probably all year, and I think as a pitching staff we ended up being pretty darn good. So uh, they've got electric stuff. They've got stuff that stands out and plays in the strike zone, and they have the ability to use it out of the strike zone as well. And uh, they just I'm a firm believer that a starting rotation brings consistency to a team. And when the offense and defense knows day in and day out what they're going to get from their starting pitcher. And when a manager knows what they're going to get from their starting pitcher consistently, the game changes and the game becomes easier on those other 24 guys or 25 guys when they know what they're getting out of the one guy in the middle of the field. And Baltimore's got five guys 
you know, without adding anybody or without bringing up anybody. They've got five guys that they know when that guy takes the mound, they know what they're going to get, and that's really helpful. Kyle, the Orioles, uh, and I, I know they had a lot of players improving around the, all around the field, but can you, as somebody that threw to, to uh, Rutch uh, several times last year in the 20, probably 20 games or so, what, what does he mean to the pitching staff? Um, on the field, obviously, you can't, you can't uh, look past what he brings to the field. You know, his ability to catch and throw, his ability to block is, is as good as I've seen. Um, you know, obviously, hitting is, is really, really good. But, um, you know, he's learning each and every start that he catches and each and every game he plays, he's learning more and more about each pitcher he catches. And that is a big job. That is a lot to soak in, and having McCann on by his side, kind of walking him through some of this, mm-hmm. uh, he will, he will, and Baltimore will see the radiating effects of James McCann for a long time. Not that Mac is better than Rutch or mm-hmm. Rutch is better than Mac, but they just work really well together. Um, and you know, Adley is learning so much about how to handle a pitching staff, and um, you know, but then also field. Uh, he has as much of an impact as he is on the field because his attitude and what he brings day in and day out is that consistency, is that positivity, and he's somebody that everybody in that locker room wants to be around because of his personality. We are uh, just another minute or two here with Kyle Gibson on GCR. Kyle, I guess we'd be remiss. Um, you, you do have a new team. <laughs> We've been asking you all about the Orioles. <laughs> Um, why St. And maybe the answer is as simple as, Hey, they called, they offered like, that's the reason why. But, um, you know, it's, it's a historic organization. Is it a place, you know, you talk about the way that you felt about Baltimore. Was it a similar feeling like, Hey, I'd love before my career is over to go have the opportunity to play in that place and that organization. Why St. Louis? Yeah. So, uh, I grew up in Indianapolis, um, really kind of bouncing around favorite teams, right? Uh, my dad was a Reds fan. I had a friend who played for the Cubs that I really looked up to, so I was a Cubs fan. I go to Missouri, and I'm surrounded by a sea of Red Cardinals fans. And um, not that that made me love the Cardinals because it didn't. It actually kind of created a little bit of extra motivation for when I would play the Cardinals later <laughs> in my career because all of my wife's family, they are all from St. Louis, and they are all Cardinals fans. So the I, the main question I got asked when I got drafted by the Twins was, hey, when you face Albert Pujols, how are you going to get him out? So, I mean, that was like the question I got asked all the time. So, um, and then when as we started having kids, we ended up moving up here near my wife's family just outside of St. Louis, and um, we wanted our kids to be around our grandparents and, and uh, you know, their grandparents. And and then it just it kind of naturally morphed into something, man, how cool would it be to play for St. Louis, you know, not only live at home, but, you know, be here uh, and and play for the team that you know won a lot of my friends back in Indiana rooted for, but then you know my wife's family roots for, and um, it's something that we have tried to make happen for the last four or five years, and the organization just wasn't at a spot to do it, right? Like you know, just like the Orioles this year, you know, not bringing me back, um, you know, the or- the Cardinals just weren't at a spot to to bring me in, and um, you know, we when they called us off season and. You know, we started having conversations. It was clear that, you know, there was mutual interest and um, there were other teams involved. But, um, you know, I think the, the draw of being home, you know, now 36, four kids who are involved Jeez. in a lot, uh, the draw of being home and also being in an organization 
um, you know, I'm just really thankful that now is the time that it kind of came to fruition and it's making sense to be here. Hey, two real quick things from me. Number one, I just haven't been looking up your, your career body of work. I saw that everywhere else you pitched, you wore number 44. And in Baltimore, you wore 48. And I couldn't think of somebody that was wearing 44 for the Orioles last year. Why 48 last year? Um, yeah, so 44 was my original college number. Uh, back in Missouri and everywhere I went, okay. you know, they just, I was able to get it. Um, and when, when I talked to Freddie Tyler and, and Mike Elias and people in the organization, um, 44 had been memorialized um, for a pitching coach that had passed away, I believe. Elrod uh, Hendricks. In the early yep. 2000s. Yes. Shame on me. So, um, Shame on me. Okay. Yeah. So, so he had passed away and um, they haven't retired it. Yeah, um, I understand. But it, it's been memorialized in his honor. So uh, nobody's worn it since and it doesn't sound like anybody will. Hey, last thing for you, and I just want to editorialize. You don't know me that well because I don't go in the locker room that often, but I talk to you about three or four times, and every time I talk to you, I walked away saying, man, that is a good guy and a smart guy, uh, one of the smarter guys <laughs> I appreciate I've talked that. to. But my last question is, I know how important community stuff is for Big you. Big league impact, man. Yeah. Um, do you already know what you're going to kind of do out there in St. Louis how quickly does that your mind turn on giving back to the community? Yeah, um, you know, because of the community we live in, uh, it turns pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, and because Big League Impact, you know, originated with Wayne right here in St. Louis, mm-hmm. uh, there's a really good foundation and a really good, um, you know, p- uh, group of people that are really excited to do things already. Um, he's got a lot of teammates that have jumped in and. Um, you know, I'll try to take that baton as much as I can from someone like Adam. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it turns pretty quick. You know, we normally – we didn't host the, the event this year, but we normally host an event here in our hometown uh, that's a sporting clay shoot to, to benefit local food banks. Um, but with the postseason stuff, we didn't end up doing that. But, um, you know, we're, we really like finding ways to get involved. And, and this is a community that we've lived in now for six years, and, and we've done our best here for this time to – to dive in and, and be involved and help and, um, you know, to, to get to meet so many fans and so many people here in St. Louis that have already experienced big league impact. Um, we're really excited about that. And um, I'm excited to see what happens in Baltimore too, because I think there's a, you know, a group of three or four people that um, still want to do some community work there with big league impact. And, um, you know, hopefully that keeps going, but um, you know, yeah, being in St. Louis and being able to, you know, Spend more time in the community and have an impact here while we play here is going to be a lot of fun. BigLeagueImpact.org is the website, and as appreciative as Orioles fans were of 15 wins, I can tell you what what you did immediately stepping up in this community mean even meant even more. Yeah. Um, uh, Kyle Gibson, uh, happy for you and for your family. Appreciate the thrills that you gave our city during the one season that you spent here, and thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Have uh, have fun watching this team for the next few years. I'll be watching from afar, but you guys enjoy it. It should be fun. It's Kyle Gibson with us here on GCR. Appreciate the conversation. Uh, very thoughtful. And oh, we need Stan's mic back on. Yeah, that's a great word with him. Is thoughtful. Yeah, he's a very, every time I talk to him, I came away thinking that's a thoughtful guy. No question know. about it. I think the Orioles will. Rue the day is a little hard to say. Uh, you know, he's not an ace, but for what he brought to the clubhouse and the fact he won 15 games, you know, 
I think it's going to be dependent on what they do, right? Yeah. Like what they do. It's what I think. It's what I, you I think know, they'll again be shocked at the price. The uh, uh, to to get Stan, that much better. What I said the day that Kyle Gibson signed in St. Louis was, I understand choosing to move on from Kyle Gibson. Yeah. What I worry about is that you're not going to be doing better than Kyle Gibson. That's my. I understand they it. did better than Jordan Lyles right. when they got him. I understand that they say, "Hey, you know, we we're looking for higher than that, but higher than that costs a lot of money." And I just, I worry. Yep, I worry. Yep. All right, uh, winding down here in hour number two of GCR. A reminder, there is no Project Game Day this weekend, of course, because there is no game day this weekend. But we'll be back next Sunday. Myself, Rita, Femi, KZ, Andrew Stecka, some guy named Josh Charles has been hanging out with us all season long. He's had nothing else to do. We're looking forward to being back with the After Ravens Rams. Come hang out with us. Pressboxonline.com slash game day. I guess Sunday with no football, you can – Give the kids an early no. Christmas present. Stop. Oh, you don't know what we're doing on Sunday, Stan. No. Hang on real quick. Project Game Day is brought to you by Help. <laughs> HelpMyGamblingProblem.org, AJ Michaels, and Superbook Sports. Guess who's getting a Christmas on Sunday? Guess who's getting a yeah. Christmas? You are. The dog. Oh. The dog is We are getting. taking well, the dog. She. she. We're taking she. the dog, and we love our dog. We're taking her to... So I'm getting back. We'll get back from Hershey Park to at like, you know, midnight. Ruth's on Chris Steakhouse. Yeah, basically. <laughs> We're going to get back um, very late on McDonald's Saturday. <laughs> and then on Sunday, I got to be up at five because it's my day to go serve at uh, Helping Up Mission. Right. So I was hoping that I could just go back to bed and then spend the day watching football. And, you know, I'm very involved with Show Your Soft Side, a wonderful animal charity around right. these parts. And they are hosting a like. Paws with Claws, I believe is what it's called. Um, You're playing Santa Claus. No, I'm not playing Santa Claus. Uh, But no, it's like bring your dog to meet Santa and there's games and activities. for the kids? I I don't know. Not for the kids. No, no, no more. The kids do not need more (laughs) Christmas. Done all the Christmas we're doing. We're sending them to your house for Hanukkah. That's what we're doing with the kids now. And have some brisket and apple Jane sauce. Will, Jane will, she'll take care of it. I actually, I, you know what? I bet they would love it. They, I bet they would love it. But, yeah, we are, uh, we're doing that. And you can find out more. Showyoursoftside.org. It's a neat uh, fundraiser that they're doing. Get your dog's picture taken with Santa Claus. We're doing that on Sunday. So, yeah, everybody's getting their Christmas this weekend. Every, the kids get some Christmas. The dog gets some Christmas. Daddy gets broke. That's the way that it works. <laughs> That's the way it goes. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit and two bit to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita 
and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Ties Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 a fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show, a partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Visit Hartford County. Gear up for the holidays by supporting local with Small Business Saturday on November 25th. Take in the dazzling sights of the season with a Ledoux Christmas at Ledoux Topiary Gardens. Enjoy holiday lights, sing along the holiday songs, reserve a carriage ride, and sit on Santa's lap in Bel Air's Winter Wonderland happening every Saturday from November 25th until December 16th. Nothing sparks that holiday joy quite like a festive parade. Head to visitharford.com and click on Events to see the full list of parades and so much more. In Maryland, you're welcome. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Hey Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. All right, winding down for a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan has been hanging out with us all morning long. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel. Marilyn Griffin, what's going on these days at Live Casino and Hotel? Over at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Maybe you took the under last night. That's okay because at the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, you can turn those losses into winning opportunities with their second chance to win promotion because between now and January 4th, almost yeah, just o- over a month left now. Now that we're into December, all Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum, and then two nights a week, 20 different winners will be quick, chosen. Quick question. Yeah. Do, 
does losing in the in-season tournament that Glenn yeah, was running? Yeah, it's got to be a bet. Yeah, it's got to be a bet you made at, at Live yeah, Casino yeah. in Hudson. Okay, I was just I'm checking. Sorry, yeah. yeah, but the prizes you can win are, are, are plentiful. You can you can get a Live Casino in Hotel Maryland apparel, Sports and Social Ultimate Happy Hour prizes, plus cash and free play worth up to $500. Drawings are going to be held every Thursday and Monday only at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adderano Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit it. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. It sounds like it's worth just making a losing bet. Like, you just go purposely make a bet that you think is going to lose. Worst case scenario, you win money. (laughs) Or in my case, just make a bet. Right. Then you can assume that it's going to lose. (laughs) That's that's the way it plays out. You went. Uh, you went. You were unbeaten last week in our picks, Stan. Uh, you didn't. You didn't have a loss in picks last two week. Was two zero and one, no doubt. All right. And I uh, was and I was eight and one. Yeah. In a nine team parlay. That's really good. That's really good. Unfortunately, that means you lost. All right now. <laughs> Griffin, how'd you do otherwise last night? You had some other action, didn't you? You had uh, some action on. No, we we came. God, the end of the Eastern Carolina Wilmington. Game. Ah, yeah, you were really we excited were, about we that. We were. One. Uh, let's see. They, uh, Eastern Carolina was gonna win, but uh, Wilmington kept fouling, which was great. Um, because uh, because we had more points scored, and we got to like one forty. I needed one forty three. So, what did so it finish it, with? It finished at 140. They had two uh, free throws at the end. They missed both of them. Carolina, Eastern Carolina. It sounds like they would only gotten you to 142. You still would have yeah, lost. Yeah, but then, but then, or uh, Wilmington was pushing hard down the court, and they uh, they didn't even get a shot off on this final. Actually, he got fouled. It looked like he got fouled on the yeah. three pointer yeah. here. They yeah. should have called it. They didn't call it. So it I still would have only been three points. You still would have come up short. No, no, no. I would. I we were at 140. Right, but if they had three, that's only 143. You know, I needed 143. Oh, I thought you said you needed 143 and a half. It was one. It was it was 142 and a half. Oh, 142 and a half. Yes. Right. Well, you probably so. would have missed one if you want to feel better about it. Um, and yeah, then yeah, uh, yeah. what was your <laughs> FAU that you were all working uh, on? Yeah, I should have bet uh, what Kyle Rode and uh, Janelle Davis under to combine yeah. for under 10 points. They went for like two for 20 from the floor. It was horrible. All right. Well, yeah. tonight's a new night. It is. Tonight's it is. A new night. What you got for tidbits? Uh, let's see. Where do I want to start? Uh, we'll start with uh, last night's uh, game. Um, it was the first game in NFL history that had a total of 75 points combined scored and no punts. There were not, it's not a single punt in the game last night. Wow. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and of course the Seahawks were like going for it on fourth down the entire second half. Yeah. Um, and the other one, sorry, I clicked out of it. Uh, okay. So there were, and that was the, the other story of last night's game were all of the penalties that we had in the game. Oh my gosh, where where did I? I had this tweet All up. All right, dynamite. Yeah, it is a dynamite oh. observation. Um, <laughs> it's not uncomfortable at all. No not. team in NFL history had ever had 125 penalty yards and in a game without punting. Both teams did that last night. They were both penalized for 125 yards, and of course, did not punt. Very interesting. Yes, uh, DK Metcalf uh, had his first career game of 100 yards and three receiving touchdowns. He became the he or there are six active players that mm-hmm. have done this multiple times. DK has only done it once, but there are six active players that have done this multiple times. And again, the numbers are one hundred receiving yeah. yards, three touchdowns. Well, uh, I'll assume Justin Jefferson is on the list. Justin Jefferson's not on this list yet. He has done That's it. A little surprising. Zero times. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's yeah, it is surprising. Uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans has done this twice. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen uh, is not on this list. I mean, I guess it's the yeah. touchdowns, but yeah. it sort of seems impossible, doesn't it? Uh, yards every game. Yeah. Michael Thomas? Uh, not Michael Thomas. 
Man, these are not as most of the uh, Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams uh, has only done this once. What's the? I'm, I apologize. Hundred yards. We're looking for guys that have had multiple games of one hundred yards and three touchdowns. And they're active. And they're, and active. they're active. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins has only done it once. Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs has done it the most among active players with four, four such games. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has done it three times. Second most. Good one. How many more do we need? We need three more now. How about uh, what's his name with the Eagles? AJ uh, Brown. AJ uh, Brown's only done it AJ, once. AJ only done it once. Done are they all once. receivers? They are all receivers. Adam Thielen. Kelsey has one game of this for yeah. what it's worth. Uh, not Adam Thielen. I don't think Jamar Chase has played long enough to do it, but Jamar Chase. He, in fact, has played long enough. Two games. While Justin Jefferson has zero. Two games for Jamar Chase. Well, then there's those guys on the Ravens. Um, yeah, Odell Beckham would be a, probably Beckham a good thing. Uh, we should excellent, have probably guessed that before. No, but there's all those guys that they had before. Right. Oh, you're thinking of Chris Givens and Chris Matthews. They're not active. Odell Beckham Steve Smith. He's not active. Uh, it's got to be active. Oh, active. Yeah. That's right. Got to be sorry, active. One more. Got to be active. Odell Beckham is on the list. I don't think it's Cooper Cup. It is not Cooper Cup. I don't think it's Debo Samuel. It is not Debo Samuel. We saw him in last night's game. C.D. Lamb? Not C.D. Lamb. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, yeah, son his of teammates. A bitch. Tyler yeah. Lockett has son two of these Lockett. games. Tyler Lockett. Son of a bitch. Uh, I was also looking at the, the history I'm of sure the— I'm sure Mrs. Lockett is lovely. Yeah. And it's not really a— History of the Maryland sportscasters and sports writers. Do you know who has the most sportscasters, Maryland sportscasters? Johnny Holiday. Johnny Holiday only has three, actually. What the hell are we doing around here? He's, got, he's out going to see— Stan the fan? Um, No, not Stan the fan, unfortunately. Glenn Clark. No, not Glenn Clark. No. Scott Garceau. Uh, not Scott Garceau. Because it's um, he has, uh, I think he had uh, Scott had five. Scott had five. This person has more than no, Vince five. Bagley. Vince Bagley. Yeah, of course, of course, ten it's time Bagley. winner. Of course, so, it's Vince Bagley. That's the answer. And All a right. nice guy. And then you want to try to guess the right? I, I, you know, knew Vince Bagley at the end right. of his life. I didn't right. know him, you know, obviously when he, he always but, said to me when he'd see you, who yeah, is that who's guy? that guy? He was uh, whenever I'd see him in the press box, he would go out of his way to have conversation. Yeah, he's very. Good. Uh, I know his uh, granddaughter Margaret, who lives out in San Francisco. She's a regular listener and um, like always says very nice things. And I'm like, Man, yeah, that's that's very powerful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Vince Bagley could not have been a kinder, and it was always like a, a delight when you would show up to work a game. Um, yeah. When you would see Vince Bagley, that would make you very happy. You always remembered that I parked cars at the Pimlico Hotel. Really? Yeah. It was a big restaurant. Yeah, right I don't know. You've talked to us about it. Yeah. And he would always say, I remember the first time I met you, you were parking cars. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's very funny. Great guy. Great guy. And best I, job I ever had. Really? Yeah. You know the best job I ever had was? Telemarketing. Swear to God. Swear to you God. You were good at it? I was, it wasn't so much that it was easy. We, I, as a, when I was a high school senior, I got roped in to doing telemarketing because like, Ten of my friends all worked there. Right. And they kept so they saying, like, say, come on, you got to do this. It's just all, it was a bunch of high school kids that were all hanging out in a room, and we were doing mortgages. And all we all we would do was call and say, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm uh, John Johnson from the Mortgage Consultants. What name did you yeah, use? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I didn't care. Would you be willing? I would use Griffin Bass. Yeah, man. right? Hi, I'm Griffin Bass hey, from the Griffin Mortgage Bass. Consultants. Would you be willing to share with us what your interest rate is? And right. if it was at the time anything, and now this is yeah, right. 2001, right. 2000, somewhere around there, if it was anything above eight, right? And they didn't hang up on me, right? I was getting money. I was because it, 
lowering your more interest rate yeah, was you always something that people was in, that people were interested in doing. And some people would be like, well, I think I got it at 10. I said, I've got great news for you. We're going to get that rate lower. And then all I had to do was fill out the form. And if they were willing to stay on the phone with me to fill out the form, I got 1% of the loan. And 1% of a new house loan? Yeah. Think about what that money is for a high school senior. Yeah. Think about it. A boat. Like, I mean, there would be. Is there any so, chance I could get Christmas, a job there now? I, I, I Christmas swear, is back on. The most, yeah, right. The most heartbreaking thing that. Well, now the rates are. It's not nearly the same. Uh, yeah. Um, I, it was so heartbreaking when I got back from college the first year. I was like, ah, I'm gonna go back and work at the mortgage consultants this summer. So I call over and they're like, yeah, we disbanded the telemarketer program. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no. It's the greatest. One job. thing I was good yeah, at. Yeah, right. Just hanging out, and it was all you were doing every day was hanging out with your friends. And it was like a hardcore sales. Dr- like if you got a certain number of applications by like six thirty, he'd let you go. He'd take you out for wings. The guy that ran the program, like it's the greatest job you could ever ask for as a senior in high school. It was awesome. And then he'd like uh, they'd offer you incentives if you were willing to like stuff envelopes for their mailers. Like stuffing a, a hundred envelopes would get you a hundred bucks. I'm like, just sit there watch Letterman at night stuffing envelopes afterwards. Man, I was I was killing it as a high school senior. Everybody else is like, how are we going to get booze for the party? I'm like, not going to be a problem. Not going to be a I problem. I got it candle. Your boy is flush. Flush. And you got plenty of friends over there that are of oh, age. God, yeah. it was awesome, yeah. man. What a gig that was. Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Busy weekend. We'll go day by day. Tonight, uh, Maryland basketball opens Big Ten play there at Indiana, 7 o'clock tonight on the Big Ten Network. Towson is playing South Dakota State, but they're playing the game in the Sanford Pentagon, which is a pretty legendary mm-hmm. building in Sioux Falls. Uh, that's at 8 o'clock. I, to my understanding, the only way to watch it is on something called Midco Sports, and I think you'd have to pay in order to get it, unfortunately. Find a way around it's it. a bummer. Yeah. Uh, NCAA Volleyball Tournament, UMBC, a three-seed in the NCAA Volleyball Tournament. They It's they, four per pod, so it's a pretty big deal that they weren't a four-seed this year, that they were a three-seed instead. They take on USC today at 4 o'clock on ESPN+. Coppin State also in the NCAA Volleyball Tournament. They take on Pitt tonight at 7 on ESPN+, Plus as well. Uh, high school football championship <coughs> games continue today in Annapolis on NFHSnetwork.com. The 2A-1A final, Calvert and Dunbar at 4 o'clock. And then the 4A final, there'll be a new 4A champion this year, Wise against Broadneck at 7.30. Uh, Pac-12 championship tonight on ABC, Oregon and Washington at 8 o'clock. We think it's a winner gets into the playoff situation, but we don't know that. Tomorrow, Johns Hopkins takes on Randolph-Macon in the quarterfinals of the NCAA football tournament. That's at noon on HopkinsSports.com. Local hoops tomorrow, UMBC hosts Lehigh at 1, Loyola hosts Delaware State at 5. They're both on ESPN+. The high school football finals tomorrow uh, in Annapolis at noon, the 1A final, Fort Hill and Mountain Ridge. At uh, 3.30, the 4A, 3A final, North Point and Mervo. And the 3A final at 7, Oakdale and Linganore. That uh, UMBC game tomorrow. Yes. Will Mr. Stein be behind the mic? 100%. On, te- Mr. Stein. on television? Uh, it's not. It's not. It's, yeah, ESPN yeah. Plus. 100%. Yeah, ESPN Plus. The college title games tomorrow, ABC at noon for Oklahoma State, Texas, uh, the Big 12 championship game. The ACC championship, which we assume is winning you're in for Florida State, 
Louisville, Florida Better State at 8 o'clock. Dude, it's insane. No. SEC championship tomorrow at uh, 4 on CBS, Alabama, and Georgia. Again, you think it might be a win and you're in, but if Alabama, I don't know. Uh, and then Fox, the Big Ten Championship tomorrow night, Michigan and Iowa. Definitely win and you're in for Michigan. Not for Iowa, for Iowa oh, whatsoever. Not, not very, at all. Very shocking news on the AOL news feed right oh? now. Representative George Santos has been expelled from Congress. Can't, but why? I, what did I he mean, do? What did he do that was so wrong? They, Just they a good convince guy. me of what he... They were very... They, finally, they sort of said, if we leave this, if we let this guy stay the entire time, it's going to end up hurting us. We we have to get rid of him. him so. Yeah. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, on Sunday, the local TV games with no Ravens game. Fox, Dolphins, Commanders at 1 o'clock. Niners, Eagles at 425. CBS, Cardinals, Steelers at 1 o'clock. And NBC for Chiefs, Packers at 815. The college football playoff selection show Sunday at noon on ESPN. And local hoops on Sunday. Navy hosts Coppin State at 130 on ESPN+. Plus. Mason uh, and Maryland women at 1 o'clock on Big Ten Network+. Plus. And Morgan's at home against Longwood at 2 on their website as well. Non-sports highlights for the weekend? Uh, of course, on Prime Video, we saw the commercials for Candy yeah. Cane Lane. Candy Cane Lane. Candy Cane Lane with miss uh, that one. Eddie Murphy out on Prime Video. Um, uh, not a ton of stuff. Indi- the new Indiana Jones comes to streaming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, there's also a short film, The Shepherd, with uh, John Travolta, where it's about like a Chris- on Christmas night, they, uh, a pilot gets lost, uh, a World War II pilot gets lost, and uh, John Tra- Travolta comes out of nowhere and leads him home. Uh, okay, I mean... On Disney+. Plus. Maybe? Um, on uh, Netflix is May December with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Um, and it looks they're they're they one of them is having like a tabloid relationship with, or they had a relationship with a seventh grader. It really, what? Yeah, it's really like I, I don't think understand. I'm interested in watching a film about that. Well, it's not it's not about that. I don't it's, think it's I'm about, interested in a film like with that premise. Now. It's like in the future. I now, think I'm good. It's on Netflix. And then uh, Emma Stone hosting Saturday Night Live. Yes, tomorrow. yes. Who's the musical guy? Noah Cahan. Is oh, it? Noah Cahan. Yeah, Cahan, or, yeah. I think it's just Khan is how he pronounces it. Dude, he kicks ass. He's Does got he? uh, might be my song of the year. Is the really? Oh. It's not the one that he did. The, he did two versions of it because he did one with Post Malone, which is at, this is how good oh, wait, Noah Khan is. is uh, dial dial drum. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I know. Noah Khan's so good that even even the Post Malone version is still a good song. It's well, it's about a billion times uh, yeah, it worse. Yeah, definitely made it better. The, obviously, not even close. It's post Malone. It's about a billion times worse than the original song, and it's still like that song would still be in the neighborhood of like one of the fifty best songs of the year. That's how good Noah Khan. I don't hate yes, Post you Malone. Do. I, there's like three songs that are good, oh and everything else oh about him God. is red, wretched. It's ridiculous. But so be, there's three good songs. That sunflower guy, song. You look at the way the guy looks. And no, you no, judge no. Everything I, look, and that just... sunflower song is a ten and a half. That song oh, yeah. is outstanding. He's got about like ten there, more. No, he does not. Yes, he does. We uh, we're not coming back. We're wrapping up the show. <laughs> Emma, Stone, <laughs> so, Emma Stone joins the five timer club as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Very good. Uh, Stan, you and Ross and Luke are back on Monday. Yeah, we'll be back on Monday. Time to be announced, uh, but it's somewhere in the four to five range. Uh, and then Thursday, uh, we'll have um, Kevin Glover on. Uh, of course, I'll former be doing that by myself. Guy that's got an argument for the Hall of Fame, but they've kind of moved past him. At he this is point. in the Maryland State. He is in that. Yep, yeah, obviously a Maryland legend, and he was featured in that Bye Bye Barry documentary because he was one of the offensive linemen blocking for Barry Sanders in Detroit. All right, very good. Thanks today to 
Kyle Gibson. Thanks to Bo Smolka. Thanks to Mike Gibbons. And thanks to Trey Wingo. We'll get all that up in Quite the great show. Yeah, it was a fun, show. fun show today. We'll get it up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Uh, Monday, Adam Frazier is going to yes. join us. You know our bi-week baseball theme. Yeah, right. Doing the, a lot of baseball this week. Uh, had a lot of fun with Zach Britton, a lot of fun with Kyle Gibson. We'll catch up with Adam Frazier. He's still a free agent, so maybe he, he'll be an Oriole again next year. I don't know. Uh, and Jeremy will join us as he does every Monday. Stuff and things as well. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, plus Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Happy birthday, Leah. Happy birthday, Luke Jackson mm. from PressBox. Have a great weekend. Go all the local teams. Go ahead. All right. 32 years old. Luke Jackson? Luke Jackson. Stan? Oh, okay. Jealous. Says he's too old. <laughs> Jealous. Uh, yeah, go all the local teams. Duke sucks. <laughs>